Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. From Bloomington. Yeah, that's, yep. You know. I'm glad you're in Bloomington, and everything you're going to say is going to make me feel better. That's why we're doing this now, because if people – the people should know that the Colts are going to overtime right now. And I chose – you very generously said we could wait until the – till overtime had concluded to record this, but I'm already in a foul mood with how the game ended in regulation – and I know because I'm a Colts fan, my mood is only going to get fouler by the end of the game. By the end of overtime, I will only be angrier. So I think this is as good as it's going to get. And now I'm going to count on you being in Bloomington to cheer me up. Well, let's start with this. I'm in Bloomington in part because we made our major announcement today. I mean... Like, people have been getting primed for this. We've been letting them know it's coming. There's not really been hints. We've just been teasing, and boom, it dropped today. And, I mean, like, hundreds of thousands of Twitter impressions later, I I think we came through on this being a big announcement. Yeah, it is always – it's always a risk when you say we have a major announcement <laughs> because most people want you to fail miserably in that. Sure. But I would say it is a major announcement, and let's go over what it is, just in case you haven't heard yet. We announced today, in conjunction with the Mark Cuban Foundation and in partnership with G3 Pro Camps, that on November 6th, the Hoosier Hysterics and said companies that we already named will be throwing two major events at Assembly Hall slash Cook Hall. The first one is with the IU women's team, the players from the women's team, where we are hosting a youth camp where uh, aimed at girls ages 5 to 13 for $50 can sign up and basically learn how to play basketball from the greatest women's basketball team in Indiana history. And one of the best teams in the country right now. Yes, a Final Four favorite coming into this next year, a team with everybody back from an Elite Eight run. And this is going to be an amazing, really like exclusive, intimate event. For $50, girls ages 5 to 13 will get put through passing, dribbling, shooting, defense, rebounding drills. You'll be able to interact directly with Mackenzie Holmes, Grace Berger, Allie Patberg, Nicole Cardano-Hillary. I mean, the whole team. Will, I mean, you get like... I mean, it's just a dream. Like, it really is. I wish I wish I could bring my girls to Bloomington to be part of that camp. And maybe I can. Maybe I'll try to figure out a way to get them there. 
Yeah. Um, if you can't, then you shouldn't even tell them it's going on because they will kill you if they know that they could be on the court with those ladies. And look, it's not only going to really help young women develop their game because they're learning from great coaches and great, I'm sorry, great players. Uh, no great coaches. That's not allowed. We can't do that. No. These, these great players who have been coached by great coaches. So there's that side of it. But then it's also just imagine yourself at that age, such an impressionable age. And this is this team right now. This is their their Steve Alford team. This is their Calbert Chaney team. This is the team that is going to make them IU women's basketball fans for life. And the chance that they get to be out there on the court with them doing the thing is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Couldn't have said it better. Um, there'll be really fun stuff happening there. They'll share a meal with the team. They'll get to practice on Cook Hall courts. We'll take them for a walk inside the tunnel from Cook Hall to Assembly Hall so they can get the feel of what that's like. It's just going to be an incredibly fun time. Uh, and then the second event that happens right after that is the inaugural Hoosier Fan Fest where the IU men's team, every player from the IU men's team will be involved. We will be doing shooting contests. We will be having a scrimmage of some <laughs> kind. For real this time. Yes, for real. We will be doing, but the big thing that we're offering that is, and I want to make this point clear. We've been working on this for quite some time. This was not a reaction to Hoosier hysteria, which I know some people said. We've been working on this for quite some time. And what we really wanted to focus on was an event that brings the fans and the players together. Keep in mind, the fans haven't been able to interact with the players really at all in over a year and a half. Yeah. You know, I mean, Hoosier Hysteria was the first time where they could see the team, but we want to have some interaction. So there are incredible auction items that fans can bid on to be an honorary coach for the scrimmage, to participate in a free throw contest, to participate in a dance contest along with the players, to be rebounders during shooting warmups. I mean, there are just incredible auction items to get fans interacting with players on the court of Assembly Hall. It's never to our knowledge been done before. It's the first of its kind. We are so excited about it. And more than us being excited about it, Ward, the players are excited about it. You can see in their tweets, they are so excited to tangibly feel the excitement and, and give back a little bit to the fans who supported them all last year through TV and messages and social media when they didn't get to feel their presence. This event, they get to feel their presence. Uh, and we are going to emcee it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so it's not a perfect event, but, <laughs> but yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. We'll do the best we can at making them laugh and making you guys laugh. And look, all the different schools went through their midnight madness, their version of Hoosier hysteria. Uh, but the fact that we're coming along with this thing like 72 hours before our first game, and this is really something that I think once again shows how special IU is, is that, yeah, great turnout for Hoosier hysteria, but this is such a different thing. This is such a more intimate thing, and it just is going to show the players and the fans, again, how much they mean to each other and 
how how symbiotic the relationship is. There is not one without the other. And then really to show the whole country how special this school is, that this is this is something that thousands of people are going to want to do and that the entire team wants to do. It's not, hey, I'm I'm coming here to, you know, just kind of use the IU brand and build my brand and go off and try to be a professional basketball player. It's it's really understanding that each and every person who comes to this event, comes to the games, watches the games, it's meaningful to these guys and they really understand how how important that name is on the front of the jersey because it represents all of us. And I, I want to say this too about these events and kind of why we are part of them, why we have have, have really tried to lead the charge on them. You know, it's kind of the holy trinity of an event for us would be to attack three legs of the stool here. The first is it's an NIL event. So, and everybody knows we started the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective. We're still taking contributions for that. We still need more. That The contributions that we have raised to the NIL Collective are not going to this event. This event we have raised separate funds for. The collective will go to individual deals that we will do and announce at the right time. But this is something separate that the collective is partnering on and you and I are, are, are spearheading. But the first is to raise funds for the players, both women and men. And all the money that is raised from, from these events through corporate sponsorships and through ticket sales, both the ticket sales for the, the, the girls camp and ticket sales for the fan fest, will be the kitty that pays the players. The players get that. Ward and I are not taking money from this. So uh -oh. The Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington is getting some. The, well, the, that's that's the second la layer of the stool, oh, the sorry. second leg. I, no. I jumped to the, the next leg. No, no, no. The, 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 there's three legs of the stool. The second leg is we don't want to just do something for the players. If there's a way for us to do something for the community that Indiana University is a part of, then great, even better. And that's why a portion of all the proceeds are going to the Boys and Girls Club of Bloomington, a charity that, that we know pretty well. We love their work. And they do, they're just been a part of Bloomington for a really long time. And so anything we can do to help them and the players can do to help them is wonderful. And then the third leg for the fans. If we could do something that benefits the players, benefits the community and gives something to the fans and an experience to the fans that they otherwise would not have, it seems like the perfect win-win-win event. And so that's what these events are. You can go to the website HoosierFanFest.com for more information. Tickets for the FanFest go on sale on Friday. Uh, I'm not going to reveal how much the tickets are. Suffice to say, it is an extremely reasonable price for tickets. And the vast majority of tickets will be general admission. There will be premium seats available if you want to pay a, a premium price to get amazing seats and maybe a seat that you otherwise would not have a chance to sit in at assembly hall courtside right behind the benches. You're going to have the opportunity to do that. You can also buy right now um, registration for the, the youth camp. And if you go to HoosierFanFest.com or just check the pigs.com article, the link is there. I believe it's HoosierYouthCamp.com, HoosierYouthCamp.com. But we want to pack this thing. I mean, we want to pack it for the girls' camp, and we want the Hoosier Fan Fest. We want every fan available to come to this. Because if you come, you are contributing to NIL, and you are contributing to the community. What could be better? 
Well, and and this is the thing, right? We we know that you you cannot entice future players to come to Indiana with with the promise of anything. But when say, oh no, Noah Clowney, Clowney, I'm sorry, I'm I've really been on a roller coaster of emotions these last few hours. I so get it. I get it. I'm trying You're on to- one. You're, tra- on, you're, you're walking a razor's edge right now. My whole family has been for the last okay. three hours. But this is all good. Everything we're talking about is good. Because Noah Clowney, already, I'm sure he already knows this is going on. And when he understands this is the kind of opportunity that is going to be there for him or any other recruit considering Indiana University and knows like, oh, okay, NIL is a thing not only like a few fat cat backers take seriously that are going to like take care of me when I get there, hopefully. Those fans, thousands of fans pouring in to be a part of an event like this is like, well, that's who's going to take care of you. Not only when you're an IU player by coming to events like this or however many local business owners are going to be in the fans and want to bring a couple of those guys out for an event, but those are also the guys who are going to be able to get you a job when the ball stops bouncing. You know, they will be able to see how much the fans care by showing up at an event like this, not just for a game, which Pretty much, you know, uh, that that a lot of schools could make a case for having fans who'd show up to watch a game. But to come out to do something like this shows that we're actually more than just a basketball school. That's exactly right. So we're we couldn't be more excited to partner with Mark Cuban, who, by the way, it took all of 30 seconds for Mark Cuban to say that he was in on when we told him the idea of this. He's he just wanted to be behind it. He. He gave a great quote that you should read in the story that Rabbi wrote on the on the events. Um, By the way, yeah. I'm 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 not over the like. I still think it was so cool. He came on the pod. Like that's something I'll always be like so tickled about. But now that we're partnered with him on this event and he's putting a quote out there like that that we get to be a part of, it's it's thrilling and it's humbling. Like I I'll I'll never not think that's super super cool. Yeah, I'm with you. And I would also say this to any business that might be listening to anybody who has a business. We are still looking for corporate sponsors for this and corporate partnerships. This is how we're raising a lot of the money for this. If you're interested, DM us. You know, you can get to us on Twitter. Most of you have my pigs handle. Feel free to send a direct message. We would love to talk to you. We have um, a range of opportunities that 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 we can discuss with you. And, and you will get something back for those. You will get good exposure. You'll get signage. You know, you'll get us tweeting about you. Uh, you could potentially get some players tweeting about you. So I think, um, and getting your message out, we're just super excited. We've been, we've been biting our tongues for, on this one for quite some time and just really excited to get it out there. And I can tell you, I was in Bloomington today around the, the men's basketball team, and they are stoked. I mean, they are really stoked. And so is the administration that is really in support of this. And so is the coaching staff who has expressed how valuable this is for future players. So, well, and uh, look, even to keep current players happy, because that's that's the world we're in now. Our coaches. Yeah, we talk about, oh, well, now we can utilize the transfer portal every year. Well, look, so can other coaches. And and we need to make sure we're taking care of these guys while they're here. And and it's the perfect opportunity to do that. And none of 
a giant event like this would would have come together unless everybody you just mentioned what if they weren't all in full support of it it never would have gotten off the ground so i think that also speaks to to the importance of it and again kind of the the privilege of it for us to be able to spearhead it totally um I know there's a lot of questions about it. I think people have some other questions. I tried to answer some online. We'll do a Twitter Spaces this week, probably what on Wednesday, Ward. Yeah, I, I in terms of your travel, uh, I figured tomorrow would be bad. Today, no, I, mean, I could do it tomorrow. I could do it on Tuesday. Um, I, well, just, let's let's see. Let's play it by ear, and we'll let you know on Twitter. But either today, Tuesday, or tomorrow, we will do a Twitter Spaces, and we will make it largely about answering any questions that people have about the event. So again, tickets go on sale Friday. I will say this, somebody- In Arizona. What? what, what I, was, I was wondering if you're talking about the guy in Arizona who said he couldn't make it for it, but somebody, and somebody said they couldn't make it, but they're still gonna buy tickets. Yes, so I am working on trying to come up with a mechanism where you can buy tickets and then just donate them to the Boys and Girls Club. Great. You know, so I'm working on that. I'm hoping it's as simple as just buying them and transferring them to an email address so that they all go to Boys and Girls Club and the Boys and Girls Club can give them out. But I'm working on that. I know some people remotely have been saying, will there be a broadcast of it? Uh, I don't know is the answer. We're working on it. It's a little complicated um, because of rights issues, but we are trying. Um, but I will say this, look, the Fan Fest is largely an event for the fans that are able to make it. Um, that's what it's for. It's for the corporate sponsors, the, the players and the people in the building. I will tell you that the IU cheerleaders and the IU band will be there. So we're really excited about that. There may be a special guest DJ as one of the players from the men's team. <laughs> Who knows? Like, there's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Let's oh, move oh, off that. Okay. And former Former players. There should be some former players hanging out too, right? Should we announce the first one? Well, I, you know, whatever level of confidence you have in, in that of uh, certain players hey, that are going to be there, yes. He has committed. So we will just say one of the most talented players that ever played at Indiana, one of the greatest shooters and scorers to ever play at Indiana, Jay Edwards has committed to be at the Hoosier Fan Fest. And he did say to me, he might go out and put up a jump shot or two. <laughs> um, and well, and I, well, I should say this, Ward, I don't think you mentioned this, but the other big thing is at the end of the Hoosier Fan Fest, there will be an autograph and selfies session. The whole idea here is to interact. So we will have stations set up, players spread around Assembly Hall, and you can bring what you want, get it autographed, get a selfie. Um, that's what this thing is about. It's to create special moments and give you guys something special to take with you. And I and I know it's for all Hoosier fans. And I know if you and I were there without children, well, we will be. But let's say not as the Hoosier hysterics hosting the event, uh, I would go anyway. But I, I I always have to go back to me as a kid, right? And like that, that is what this event would be about for me is to get down there on the court, wherever a certain player is set up. My favorite player on the team right now. Hopefully I have their jersey and they can sign that for me. I'm, you know, selfies are a way 
Well, selfies were non-existent. Uh, they were just a Polaroid. <laughs> it was. It was dad. It was dad with whatever camera dad had. Right. And you hoped it came out. So I think again, talk about memories. Yeah, I've got my Calber Cheney, me and Calber, right there on assembly hall floor. That fortunately my dad took a good picture of, and that like hopefully thousands of those pictures will be going home uh, with with little kids and proud parents leaving this event. All right, let's move on to, I have to tell you a story. They're kind of bookends of a story. So I took the red eye into Bloomington, uh, into Indianapolis this morning. How much sleep Left- have you gotten? Two hours, maybe. <laughs> um, but yesterday, or I should say Sunday, the night that I took the red eye was Holly's birthday. Right. You said You said you had a story you were saving for this. Yes, it has very little, if nothing, to do with Indiana University sports. But since it was the day that I was taking the red eye, I do think to get to Indiana, it's somewhat related. Bring it. So Holly and I have not been able to go on like any like one-on-one dates really in forever. I mean, obviously COVID, the lockdown, LA was locked down longer than most places. We did go to the Bahamas, but we were around a lot of people during that time. But it was her birthday. And she, the only restaurant she was interested in going to was a restaurant in Venice. And I'm not going to give the name out. (laughs) And uh, she just, it's, it's really hard to get into. It's one of these really pretentious places that you can only book one week in advance. And they release it every like midnight, you know, that new dates come up. And it's just really hard to get into. So we got a five o'clock reservation, early bird special, (laughs) right when it opened. It's a super fancy restaurant in Venice. So we go and we sit down and Holly is in a banquette facing me and I am in the chair opposite her. She's against the wall of the restaurant and I'm staring out of a window basically right next to her. So I'm kind of blinded by the descending sun, honestly, for the first like 45 minutes, which was not good. But it didn't blind me too much to at one point we're having a nice conversation and directly to Holly's right uh, is a little plant that looked like Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We almost bought one of those for Halloween. There you go. So I was like making fun of that thing. It had tentacles and stuff. (laughs) And Holly is talking to me. And at some point in the conversation, she asked something and then I said... I started responding. I'm like, well, Holly. And she just goes, what are you looking at? What, what happened? And I just go, I think I just saw a mouse. (sighs) And she goes, no, no, no. And so she kind of like leans over to look to her thing. And that son of a bitch popped out and like just popped out like, cra- crawling through Audrey too. Oh God. Just popped out. And <laughs> I lost my shit. I, mean, <laughs> I just, we both saw it at the same time. We both went, ah! <laughs> and like jumped four feet in the air and immediately Holly just like motions to like a manager get over here. And like, everybody was staring at us. Sure. Sure. Uh, 
I, I almost started throwing up. Like everything was uneasy. These people took us, they're like, okay, well, we'll get you a new table. Oh yeah, you're gonna get us a new table. <laughs> like in a different restaurant. <laughs> they take us over and we had ordered steak and they bring this big, beautiful steak. I, I couldn't eat the steak. <laughs> I was disgusted. And you just see them, the, the waiters and the men, they're pretending like nothing's happening, but they have like rotating people going and looking for the goddamn mouse. <laughs> I couldn't eat a bite. The person comes over and they did say, well, obviously this dinner is on us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All, gotcha. all of a sudden I found my appetite again. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I didn't. In, fact, in fact, you want a dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly couldn't warn. I have. And Holly, Holly was like, you know, Eric, it happens. I go, no, it, I, it doesn't happen. I'm 44. It's never happened. <laughs> it does not happen. I've never been in a restaurant, this nice restaurant that you made us go to, and a mouse pops out. And when I saw that, the first thing that I saw was the tail pass through Audrey too, like almost like I saw the, the tentacles move, like it was the plants in Jurassic Park when a T-Rex is coming. Yes. And, and Holly was like, tell the waitress, well, don't feel bad. No, no, I'm sure it's okay. I'm like, what are you doing? Feel bad. This is awful. It's a mouse. Well, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't put the blame at the server's feet. I I, no, I don't think the server, the server needs to You're feel right. bad about that. I, You're right. I, I mean, having worked in kitchens before, at a nice restaurant, one of them, uh, I, I'm not surprised a mouse shows up in any restaurant. I'm just, I'm just not. Have you seen mice in restaurants? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It freaked me I've out. Seen worse. It freaked me Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think I can ever eat in a restaurant again. So I, we finished there. I've got to go get on the plane. I'm feeling queasy. I get on the plane. I take the red eye. Uneventful flight. Great. Made it to Bloomington without being pulled over by the police. It's going well now. Get to the graduate. Our good friend Braden at the graduate is there. How you doing, Eric? Good to see you again. Had my key ready for me. I go up. The graduate is the greatest, you know, in the world. And I did remember that I actually didn't remember. I walked into my room and I saw something weird like something big on the credenza and it was at that moment that i didn't remember that the last time you and i stayed at the graduate we proceeded to basically steal 70 dollars worth of bottled water without knowing it right right out of the lobby and then we then they, they informed us that we had been stealing water from them didn't back and on the credenza is this note can you read this? <laughs> yeah. Eric, welcome to Bloomington. Hope this keeps you hydrated and saves you a few bucks while you're here. <laughs> that was on top of this? <laughs> a case of giant graduate waters. Had you complained about them charging for the waters in the lobby or did it just get back to management? We talked about it on the podcast. Oh, we did. Okay. So, All right. And we know that there are some fans of the podcast here. So I've been downing some wonderful graduate bottled water since I got here. 
I bet on your bill you're going to have been charged two hundred and forty dollars for that case. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's that was what we buy it for, Eric. We saved you thirty bucks. I would respect that move. I would respect that. <laughs> so anyway. The crazy thing is, though, it's a really smart thing to do because it's a great joke. It shows that they care. And also, I can't take it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Half so of that will end up out in the lobby anyway. Half. I drink three bottles. They've got 26 bottles left. Like, it's, you know, I mean. It's a short trip. But good on you, Graduate Hotel. Good on you. And and while you're chugging the free water, Jane Pauley is looking over your shoulder. It's It's our home away from home. Truly. Yep, Jane Pauley's here. The Cutters logo is over there. Yeah. So, listen. Being in Bloomington is great. It's been a bit of a weird trip because I didn't get to do all the fun things that you and I do together. No Pizza Express. I did have ice cream. I did have dinner at... um, I had dinner at Uptown, which was excellent. What'd you get? I had the salmon and a Caesar salad, and it was excellent. Okay, okay. Um, But no Pizza X... No Buffaloes. Why are you saying no Pizza X? It's only like midnight there. Do you think I should order Pizza X? I definitely think you should. (laughs) It's happening. I mean, I got to say, with this whirlwind all business trip you're on, uh, uh, this is as little jealousy as I've had of you going to Bloomington or anywhere I you related without me. But now that you're doing this, the jealousy is starting to kick in. They're all closed, dude. They're all closed. Oh, that that's a, a like a Monday thing, like in the COVID world, huh? They're all closed. Oh, that's rough. That's rough. Oh, I was going to do it too. You think White Castle is open? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to White Castle. I can't believe they're all closed. I'm going to just try to call them anyway, even though it says closed. Hail Mary. I mean, you can't get a pizza at midnight in Bloomington on a Monday. What is going on? I thought it was a, a not a state law. I thought it was a federal law in a college town. You get pizza anytime you want it. That's what I thought, too. Like a constitutional Bill of Rights situation. Yeah, I think Ben Franklin saw that coming. Yeah. He loved pizza. <laughs> All right. Well, that's not going to happen. But uh, so that part of the trip has been a little disappointing, but it's great to be in Bloomington, albeit for like 24 hours. Um, Noah Clowney announced that he's making his announcement on October 31st on Halloween. I like that. I like Halloween's. It's my favorite day of the year. So let's go. Look, I know that people that follow this stuff will tell me I'm wrong, but here's the thing. This dude is telling you that he's making his announcement on October 31st, and he hasn't even taken his last visit. He's not going to wherever that last visit is. It's Alabama, right? Yeah, that's his last visit. He's not going there. No. He's going to Indiana, right? I like your style, kid. Yeah, I mean, he's going to Indiana. I'm not worried. Uh, You know, it's, well, I mean, this is going on right now. Gabe Cups is there, right? He's running around. It's, it's, cups it seems like he's pit. like a semi-permanent resident sta- status in Bloomington at this point. People just like being around this program. I right? know. And Ward, this guy's got two years left. Yeah. He's a sophomore. Yeah. I mean, so that seems insane. But just 
it I think one of the great apprehensions of Coach Woodson coming in was recruiting and not just can we attract the big time talent, but it's like the the organizational aspect of it, like managing it by the class and who we need when to come in and what positions. And it just feels like we're in a better position uh, in the next, like through 23 than we have been in a long time, just feeling like, yeah, we kind of like are in pretty deep with some studs pretty early. And, you know, look, it's early for those and new names are going to emerge and some of these will fade, but it just feels like the long game is getting set up pretty well. Yeah. And look, the Game Cups one is a weird one because Game Cups is not highly ranked. Now, could he move up? Sure. But he is a guy that we have on pretty good authority. The top guy at this program really likes. Really likes. And so does Chris Holtman and Jawan Howard. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is weird that you have a guy who is not ranked really and is being or ranked highly top 100 and is being recruited this hard by the likes of what you just mentioned. So if Woody wants him, I want him. Right. And when you're talking about a kid that young and a kid who didn't get the normal exposure for like an important year for rankings as far as the covid year and all that, that's that's where I think some of that is is still going to be another year plus before uh, you can start to maybe count on the rankings working themselves out in in a responsible way like they tend to do historically. Dame Fife went to Finland this in these last few days. God, Miro Little. I mean, please tell me that the Big Ten Network had cameras with them, and that this is going to be a one-hour special. Dane in Finland? Are you kidding me? A Dane in Finland. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's it. That is it. I feel like that should be at the. That's going to be at like you know the can next year. I mean, it's just. It just seems perfect. Uh, look, you watch video of this Miro Little kid, and the kid seems like the perfect basketball player. Good size, can shoot, uh, seems to have a high basketball IQ, can pass the ball, knows the game really well, is a leader. I mean, this just seems like everything we want. It's a weird foreign recruitment. So, like, rankings, who knows what's the competition like. But, again, it's somebody the staff really wants. So, I agree with you about 23. It's exciting. We've got, you know, 19 days till we find out about Noah Clowney, which will be exciting. It'll be either a really good Halloween trick-or-treating or a very bad one. Because if I'm in a bad mood and anybody tries to come to my door for a candy, it ain't going to go well. You're just going to eat the candy yourself. And then spit it at them. <laughs> Take that, COVID. Old man Penkowski is spitting out Milky Ways again. <laughs> you know... Part of how we were able to do the event, Ward, and to announce the event is because, of course, we are powered by the sweet, sultry sounds of Straight No Chaser. Hey, man, football team did not lose this weekend. I got news for you. I understand that the football team may have needed a bye to get healthy and all that. But you know who really needed a bye? All of us. (laughs) 
right? Don't you feel like that was the perfect time to give us a week off? It's been such a pressure cooker, you know. It's been like months and months and months and months of anticipation with, I mean, it was brutal. Watching this brutal Colts game and you see like two of our uh, two of our losses are playing on Saturday on ESPN and they're both in the top 5 <laughs> you know yes. it's like no. it's like oh there's there's uh, Iowa at 2 and Cincinnati at 4 and damn it we had Cincinnati damn it we had them um so yeah and then there's I mean, Penn State and then there's Michigan State who's now ranked 10th in the country who we play this Saturday but hey man we got it I'm excited to see Tuttle play an entire game. I'm really excited to see Tuttle play a game. And the, and with a couple weeks of first-team reps. I, I do yep. think it's going to give him the best shot at performing well. If it had been a short week and they were kind of waiting to see if he was going to go and he got a couple days in. But no, he's going to have a lot of time and really be able to look at the tape on Michigan and know it's going to be him. So, yeah, let's go. Let's go. We need to go. And you know what we really need to go to? the interview that we have today. Hot Somebody, damn, it's a good one. It really is, man. It's, you know, we have not been able to get a ton of people from these last few teams of the Tom Crean era, and especially that last Big Ten championship team. Uh, you know, obviously guys like Thomas Bryant and OG, we were fortunate to get Yogi and uh, Juwan, but there's other guys, Robert Johnson, we haven't had the pleasure of, of doing. Um, but we 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 did get this one, and it's one we've been wanting to get for a while because the truth is, this guy is a bit of an enigma. You know, he he, I think like garnered a lot of polarizing reaction from fans during his time. That when you really look back on it, and especially with the perspective of the last four years, you realize was not fair the way many fans reacted to him. He is a special special talent that I don't think we realized how special it was, the stuff he could do. Was there stuff he couldn't do? Perhaps. But the stuff he could do, he did it and is about the highest level you can hope for. And, man, have we missed that. I thought about this after the interview in terms of the way you kind of categorize players into what you think they're about. And maybe this is unfair to say about this player, but I'd, I'd say the, the guest today, I sort of put him in the perception I also have of Bracey Wright. And maybe we'll get to talk to Bracey Wright and have a very different perspective there as well. Uh, but, you know, I don't think we want to give away too much of our reactions to this conversation until the, the outro we did after it. Um, but I will say he's no, no longer in that superficial category at all. Totally agree. It, it is the, it is the perfect example of what we've talked about so many times that these players are fully formed human beings with three dimensions. And it's something we forget about when they are simply statistics in a box score or what we think is the cause of a win loss record. Or, or reading body language or facial expressions or lack thereof. It's yes. just like, I'm, I'm sorry, that actually doesn't really tell any of us that much about the kind of human being they are. Yes, we have no idea what we are talking about. And this one <laughs> proves it as much as any. So I say, let's let people get right to it. But that means I have to go watch Overtime. 
Here comes our guest. Here comes our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, oh boy, do we have a good one. Not only because of the great success, all the wins, but just the fact that since this guy left, we have not seen anybody with the ability to put the ball through <laughs> the hoop like this gentleman. And and boy, that absence has just made his shot and looking back at it that much sweeter. But for more specifics, Eric will guide us through the uh, the bio, if you will. We are talking to a gentleman that hails from the great state of Indiana, where he played his high school ball for three years at Fort Wayne Bishop Lures High School. We're in his three years. In his junior year, he averaged 33.3 points a game. He then went to Marion High School, where he averaged 33.4 points a game. <laughs> he finished his Indiana high school career with 2,387 career points, placing him eighth all time in the scoring list in the greatest state when it comes to basketball in the world. He was the number 19 recruit in the country. He was a McDonald's high school All-American. He went to the Jordan Brand Classic where he lit it up for 23 points and won the three-point contest. He was a parade All-American. His freshman year, after deciding to go to the greatest school in the country, Indiana University, he was honorable mention All-Big Ten as a freshman. He was sixth in the country as a freshman in scoring. He was Big Ten Freshman of the Week twice. He ran into a little injury adversity his sophomore year, came back his junior year better than ever, third-team All-Big Ten, Honorable mention, all Big Ten by the coaches, national and player of the week, uh, national and Big Ten player of the week twice his junior year. He was on the preseason watch list for Naismith and Wooden. He was a top 10 finalist for the Jerry West Award for best shooting guard in the country. <sighs> Sorry, I got to take another breath. He is a career 82.4% free throw shooter, fourth all-time best freshman scoring season at Indiana, number one all-time freshman made threes with 77. And by the way, better than like Eric Gordon and Yogi Ferrell and Jordan Hulls and many of the other great three-point shooters that have come through Indiana. He increased his scoring average each of his three years. By the way, little known stat, this dude averaged five rebounds a game, 4.9 rebounds as a guard let's not forget that nobody talks about that 35th all-time in scoring at indiana ahead of greats like steve downing quinn buckner victor oladipo 20th all-time in scoring average at indiana led iu in scoring in 2017 second best all-time season ever in three points made with 91 only steve alford has beaten him he also has the 10th all-time number at his freshman year was 77. He is seventh all-time in three points made in the Big Ten season. He's fifth all-time in career field goals, three-point field goals made. He shot 46.3% as a sophomore and 42.3% as a junior, a career 41.5% three-point shooter. That doesn't make any sense to us anymore. He does have a Big Ten championship. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to somebody who then went on and is in the middle of a very successful international pro ball career. We're simply talking to one of the best scorers and greatest shooters that ever wore the candy stripes. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to James Blackman Jr. Man. <laughs> I appreciate that introduction. Man. That's, that's <laughs> so, one of the best I ever got. <laughs> nice. When you hear all that stuff, is is there something that sticks out that maybe like you didn't know or something that you're most proud of in, in your obviously well-accomplished and still thriving career? Um, 
you know, like a lot of that you were saying, I really didn't know. Cause like when you're playing the game and stuff like that, like, I don't think you necessarily focus on that stuff. You just go out and do what you do. But um, yeah, some of that stuff I really didn't know, but some of it, you know, the coaches at IU and things like that would tell me. So um, yeah, that that's great though. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So when I, let, let's just get oriented now. Where are you at at the moment? Where is it at in the season? Are you are you mm-hmm. in Turkey? Are you on the road for a game? What what's up with you? Yeah. Right now? So yeah. So I literally just got back from uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, we had a game on the road uh, um, in Israel. Um, right now I'm in Izmir, Turkey. Um, so this is my second year in uh, Turkey. Last year I was in on a team in Istanbul. Um, this year I'm in a city called Izmir, um, Turkey, um, and we'll be playing our fourth game Sunday. And how's it, it going? It's it's going well, man. So right now we're three and zero. We're in the league called the Champions League, so we're one and zero in that league. And um, the Turkish league, we're two and zero. So we play another one. Uh, Sunday in the Turkish league. So it's going great. To me, it does sound like a dream. Like you, you grew up in a basketball household, obviously playing the game you love. And now you're seeing the world, probably countries you'd never know you'd go to cities you'd never heard of. What what do you, I know it's a job and you got to work your ass off to, to bring it every night on the court. But do you feel like you're living the dream? No, nah, no, nah, yeah, for sure, man. Like every day, like I go to practice, like I'm going to for my job is basketball. Like I would do it for free. So like, like what you were saying, it really is a dream. Um, I would say like earlier on, like obviously I want to be in the NBA and stuff like that. But you know, just seeing how um, the game is here and how you know, the high level of play is and stuff like that. Um, as a competitor, you know, this is all I can really ask for, being able to uh, play um, for my job, play the game I love for my job. All right. Now, I know you're a team first guy. You gave us the team stats, but what's – come on. What are you averaging per game? Um, so, last game I had uh, – I, I had 19. Um, so, I'm averaging 19 in the in the um, Champions League. And in the Turkish League, I'm averaging like 13. But we played – uh, two games where we won by uh, like 20 points. So uh-huh. okay. I didn't really play high, high minutes yet. And so. how you shooting it? What's the three-point percentage? Uh, I think I was four for four for six last game. Yes. And then in the other league, I was uh, three for five. And then I think it was four for eight. So I'm You're shooting it pretty well. I'm yeah, I'm shooting it pretty well right now. So hopefully I can keep that going. What would you say for people who mostly are obsessed with Indiana basketball? So we watch quite a bit of the Big Ten or, or even like the NBA. What's the bigger kind of difference right now with how they're playing the game in Europe as opposed to what we're watching? Or is it all kind of merging together now? Um, I would say that they both kind of take things from each other. Um, but definitely like in the, in the high, um, leagues and the, in the top competition over here, I've seen like, just, it's taught me a lot about the game, you know, um, just how they play in the pick and roll, 
Um, just and then on the defensive end, it's so it's a it's a, I I'd say it's it's a little bit more physical. Um, you know, you can get away with a little bit more stuff that you can in the NBA. Um, it, it's just a it's just a great like, like it's an eye opener, you know, because coming over here you think it's going to be like so much easier, but just the level of play is, is really high when you're in the, in the top leagues and stuff like that. James, let me ask this, by the way, your name's James Blackman Jr. I've seen online people refer to you as JBJ. Do you have a nickname? Um, I just, I really go by JB, you know, JBJ. Um, some people call me Jimmy Buckets from IU. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll take I'll take that any day. Uh, Can we refer to you as Jimmy Buckets? Yeah, for sure. I love that one. I love that. Um, I wanted to ask you, how difficult was it or is it? it? It seems like you're in a really good place now. But when you know you want to be in the NBA, but so much of basketball at the highest levels is a mental thing, just having mm-hmm. that mental edge game in and game out. And I could see that if you were distracted by constantly thinking, I don't want to be here, I want to be there, mm-hmm. that that would be really grinding on you. For sure. Did that, when were you able to kind of make that switch that you were just focused I, on the here and now? I think that uh, I was able to make that switch like my first year. I, my first year over here was tough because I was still like, man, I should be there. Um you know, I feel like I'm talented enough to be there. Um, and then I think it was just like seeing the money you can make and, and stuff like that. Maybe <laughs> that's what changed it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. But uh, and then just seeing a lot of players like like I'm like, OK, I think he's definitely good enough to be in the NBA. Um, and then seeing some guys in the NBA that you might be like, OK, so just, you know, I know it's, I know it's more to it that goes into a lot of it you know it's a business and stuff like that so um I just think about it like I want to be the best basketball player I can be um and that's how I go by it every day just working to get as best as I possibly can I do wonder you're obviously very close with your family and now you're super far away from them Obviously, yeah. Zoom FaceTime helps, but have yeah. they gotten over there to to see you at all? Do you are you able to stay in pretty close contact with them? Yeah, for sure. Like I'm so close with my family. Like uh, it's kind of like we figure out each other's schedule. Like my pops will call me on his drive to uh, on his drive to work and practice and stuff like that. My mom will call me in the middle of her um, surgeries and stuff like that. And then my little bros. Uh, like my little brother, he's at Grand Canyon right now, so I know his schedule pretty well. And then uh, BJ, he's the assistant strength coach there, so we we keep in touch like pretty well. And then um, they get out here to see me. Uh, like last year, they came uh, towards the end, but they always come out and see me when they can. So, what's it like living in Turkey? What I mean, what's it like? What's the food like? What are you you know? Are you making friends? Are you speaking the language? Yeah. What's going on there? Uh. I haven't, you know, the Turkish language is pretty tough. You know, like I was learning when I was in Italy, I was learning it uh, pretty well. I, I had a little bit that I could hold a little conversation, but Turkish is pretty tough. Um, you know, last year I was in Istanbul. It was probably my favorite city um, that I've played in. Uh, I It felt like I was in, it didn't really feel like I was away or, or overseas or anything like that. 
Um, and then here it's nice. Like right now it's, uh, it's super hot, super warm. Like the weather's always good. Um, so right now it's more of like a, the city's more chill. There's not as much going on and stuff like that. It's less of a city life, but, um, it's, it's super nice and feels like I'm, I'm right on the beach and on the water and stuff like that. So, uh, it's a good city and the food stuff. I pretty much stick to what I know, you know, they have a lot of American, you know, restaurants and things like that. So I, I really don't go. You too much. The Turkish yeah, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I know what it tastes like because we always have it at the gym and stuff like that. They'll bring it in. Um, and I try it, but like when I'm on my own and I want to get my own food, I pretty much stick to, you know, what I know. But you like that Italian food, didn't you? Yeah, for sure. That was that was uh that was the best. That was the best, honestly. Now, what about friends? Like it's something that we as fans like we don't think about. But like when you're in the mm-hmm. states, you know, you you typically have friends. They're, you know, similar backgrounds, like you're it's more relatable. Do you have friends on the team? Have you made friends off yeah. the team? Yeah, um on my team uh this year we have uh five other guys that are uh, American, you know, one guy played at Notre Dame. So I knew him before Bonzi Colson. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, pretty much every team I played for have, has had other Americans and, you know, this year um, just a lot of, like, there's a lot of players that I've played against before um, that are in this league now. So uh, it's, it's crazy to see like, the game of basketball where it can take you and stuff like that. So I, I, I think it was your Italian team. Wasn't Aaron craft your point. Yeah. Guard yeah. Aaron craft, Aaron craft was my point guard. And then uh, there <laughs> was a him. guy through him, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> we don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. And also, also we play, I played against, uh, he was on uh, Wichita state. Um, he was on my team that year. He always brought the game up where they beat us oh. in the term yeah. tournament. So He's not your uh, yeah, friend, just, James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So listen, before we we um, go back to your story and, and understand like how you became kind of the player and man you became, I do just want to ask this because it's striking to me. This is the, the first time you and I have, have really talked. You called me a few minutes ago before we did this, but this is the first time we've met. And my impression of you is like, you're just such a nice guy. But my impression of you as a player was the opposite. Like you on the court, you were a killer. I mean, you are a killer. Yeah. You were intense. You look mean on the court, which by the way, I loved. You show emotion. Yeah. Um, you you seem to have like a total Jekyll and Hyde thing going on on the court, off the court. Am I crazy here? N- nah, I, I think you I think you're spot on with that. Um you know, everyone who knows me, like, uh, knows I'm pretty much like a laid back type of guy. Um, you know, I, I don't really say too much that I don't have to say or what doesn't need to be said. But, you know, on the court, I don't know. It's just something different. Like, I know how to turn it on. And, um, like, if I'm playing against my friend or something and we're on the court, like, as soon as we cross the line, like, we're no longer, like, that's out the window. So um, I think you're spot on with that. Was that always the case or did that develop somehow? Do you remember uh, something that you saw? You know, or? I I think maybe I got it from my pops or, you know, my, my older cousins and stuff that I used to play with growing up. You know, I was, I think that 
a couple of times, like going on the court, playing with my friends or people who were older than me. Um, like, you know, I was friendly. And then they, when they got on the court, like all that was out the window. So I think that's when, you know, I kind of learned like how to, you know, be when you step, step across those lines. Well, that That's a perfect segue because we want to get in to growing up Blackman. Uh, obviously your father, uh, a great player, your, your mother, a, a doctor, just let's start with this. What, what's your first memory of the game of basketball? My first memory, uh, really just like seeing, you know, my dad, like everywhere I went in, in Indiana, I grew up in Marion, Indiana. I would just always like hear about like what my dad did or, like how good he was. And I think that's what got me interested in the game and just seeing like his highlights and stuff from uh, Marion and then at Kentucky. Um, and then we always had like a little hoop uh, that was low. And then I just always would dunk on it and stuff like that. So that's probably my first memory and what got me going. And did your, was your dad someone who really pushed you to play or was it something where you just wanted to play because you were around your dad, you saw it, you idolized him and you wanted to be yeah. like Uh He was, the way he played it, like he didn't really push me at all to play. I think that I just like knew that I wanted to be like him. And then once I told him like this, I want to be a, you know, I want to play basketball then that's when he was like, okay, like I can show you the way. And, you know, that's when he got more on me about it. And what was his style of, of training you, of coaching you? Was, was he a hard ass? Was he all over? Yeah. Oh, uh, um, nah, it was just like, if you want to be great, like he kind of like, this is the way you do it. If you don't like, you know, you don't have to play basketball, but if you want to, like, here's how you, you know, you have to have that work ethic. You have to, you know, really be focused on it. You know, you can't do what other kids are doing all the time. But um, he never was like, you have to do this or that. It was just like, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I want to be in the NBA. So he kind of, that's what he kind of um, led me to and guided me. So who were your players that you liked and watched, whether it was in the NBA or college? Were there guys that whose games you were like, or posters that you had in your room? Who were the guys that you really looked up to? Um, well, growing up, I remember my favorite player was always like, I, I, I always liked Kobe, but my favorite player was always Tracy McGrady. I don't know why. It was just nice. like, and I think, I don't know, sometimes I, I kind of think I took like a lot from him, how he kind of like scores the ball and stuff like that. Um, I just remember him always being my favorite NBA player. Um, in terms of college, I, I really don't know. I just like, you know, certain teams. And then my dad was always like a high school coach. So I always like looked up to the players he coached or and stuff like that. I remember he coached Deshaun Thomas and uh, he was a great scorer. And I always was like, I'm going to be like that or I'm going to be better. So yeah. just everyone, you know, I was a basketball junkie. So I, I knew every, I knew about everyone. Well, and I wonder about two growing up in Marion where your dad's a legend, but then obviously a little before your time, but like the Jay Edwards and Lyndon Jones mm -hmm. teams, mm -hmm. were those just like a part of the daily lore and you see their pictures and all the state championships as you drive into town? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like growing up there is a huge basketball city, like uh, just all that, like me and my friends just looked up to all those players, like, and we just wanted to be like them. So um, I knew about all those guys, you know, like Zach Randolph and um, all those guys. We, I looked up to them and um, that's kind of what, you know, gave me that extra passion. Well, now I Sorry, this is one silly question I have to ask because I'm from Peru, Indiana. And mm-hmm. when I was back with my kids a couple summers ago, um, we went to Fairmount to see all the James Dean stuff. But then we swung through Marion and we did a tour of Marion because they have the Garfield statues everywhere because of Jim Davis. Yeah. Was that like a thing growing up? Like people were really proud uh, that Garfield was from there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I heard that a couple of times, actually, but um, I forgot all about that. But yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I hate asking this question. But what's it like growing up in Indiana with a Kentucky dad? Um, honestly, like people ask me all the time. I ask me that all the time, but he wasn't too he wasn't too much like, oh, you gotta go here, you know, because you know, my last two, my decision came down to those two. Yeah. And he never was like, you know, uh, you have to go here. He always had his opinion, but um, you know, he he never was like you have to go here and stuff like that. But, you know, in our house, uh, he ha- he has a basketball court. He has Kentucky there. He has all his stuff up. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, going somewhere, he never was like, you know, this is – you have to go to Kentucky. Because he wanted better for his son. Than That's what right. He yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he couldn't betray his alma mater, but he wanted better right. for you. Right. When did basketball go from just something you really liked doing and you were, like you said, a self-professed junkie to you realizing, no, this is, I'm really good at this. Like I'm better than most of the people around me. Do you remember when that switch flipped? Yeah, I remember uh, growing up, I just always played for fun. Like we would always just play outside. uh, Like um, everyone, all my friends would just play outside. So it was just a fun thing. And then once I got to, uh, like, I hit a growth spurt. I forget what it was. But I remember um, before my eighth grade year, like, I was always, that's when I think I got, like, really serious. Like, I was all, I was always good. But I remember just seventh grade, I think that I was always in the gym. Like, I had a certain amount of shots I wanted to make a day. Um, How many? All that How many? Uh, like, I remember I was, I got to make a thousand shots a day. Like in, in seventh grade, I, I haven't made a thousand shots in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's when I got really serious. And then eighth grade year, I was like, I, I think I'm really good. I think that um, I can make it to the NBA. Like that's when I started thinking like that. And just to give us the timeline and and kind of how it went with you then going starting high school in in Fort Wayne. Um, and so, so how did that, how did you get up to Fort Wayne and get going there mm-hmm. at Bishop Lures? Uh, well, my dad was the head coach at Bishop Lures. Um, uh, and you know, I, I definitely wanted to play for him. So, but we, so we lived in Fort Wayne at that time. We moved when I was around, uh, 12, I think we moved to Fort Wayne. So. Um, my first three years, I went – well, actually, so my sophomore year, I remember he 
was offered the job at Marion. And, you know, he he took one for the team, really, because he kind of wanted to go. He thought that was a better basketball move for us. But um, and then it came around after my junior year again. And he was like, uh, you know, he told us and then we were like, yeah, let's go. Like we were ready for it at that time. So me and my little brother, BJ, uh, we ended up switching my senior year, his sophomore year to Marion. When you're growing up, we, we've talked to many people from the state of Indiana, and we all know how important basketball is. The rivalries between different schools, different programs, and, and now you work in AAU. There's obviously very big rivalries between AAU programs. Who were some of your counterparts in high school, even going back to like eighth grade, that you competed against? That like when you saw them, when you knew that they were coming up on the schedule, you, you got, you got uh, some extra tingles for you're saying in high school or yeah, uh, sure. Early. High school, eighth grade, uh, AAU. Okay. Uh, so like going back, I still have friends to this day, you know, who play in the NBA or, or high level overseas. Um, like, uh, a lot of guys, like we go way back cause I was very competitive, uh, back then. Um, I think like D'Angelo Russell was like the first one. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just guys who I would see ranked ahead of me, I would have, I would have like a list. I got to, you know, outplay him at this tournament. I got to outplay him at, wow. you know, this tournament, um, like got Jaleel Okafor. Cause I remember he was the number one guy. Um, there was so many players, man, like that. I just, that we're still friends to this day, but like even way back, I just remember like we were always comp- competing at that time. And when you start to get onto those lists, meaning you're being recognized nationally, yeah. Yeah. colleges do do start to come calling. Your your dad had been through that. So how did you guys navigate being one of the top high school players, you know, throughout your career? I mean, you started you started scoring at a very high rate from the jump. So mm-hmm. you know, this is a whole other thing you have to deal with through your high school. Yeah. Well, my recruiting process was kind of different, you know, because I committed to Indiana uh, like early on. It was like before my freshman season, actually. Um, But so then I then I uh, there was like a camp or something that had went on. All those guys were there, top guys and every coach, you know, um, in the country was there. And um, I think it was like my junior year going into my senior and I just remember playing very well. And um, my dad had told me, he was like, hey, uh, Roy Williams said you're the best player out here, like, um, or something like that. And he, and then, so I just started thinking, like, um, I, de- I don't really have anything to compare with because, you know, I committed so early. So I just wanted to see, like, what else was out there. And then I remember I decommitted uh, from Indiana. And we um, all freaked out. Look- we all yeah. freaked out. <laughs> no, I wasn't really like I'm I wasn't really like I don't want to go there. I was just like, I just want to see what else is out there. I want to compare it to something. And literally like that day, I think I got like 24 offers like in one day. So it was crazy. Um, but my dad was really my mom and dad, they really were they really helped me a lot with that because I was overwhelmed, honestly, like having 24 schools in one day. So he was just like you know, you have to be realistic with it. You have to like, you know, cut some out, you know, be realistic with what you think you want. 
And, um, you know, you can only go to one school. So maybe you should cut it down pretty quick and then we'll, you know, look into uh, being serious with some of the schools that are there. All right, but let's take a step back and get to you committing to Indiana before your freshman year, which is yeah. the greatest thing <laughs> that ever happened. And it turned out to almost be the worst thing. But yeah. just walk us through, like, when did you meet Coach Crean? How did he come into yeah. your life? And, and, and how does a kid at 12, what were you, 14 years old, make a commitment yeah. to where he's going to go play college ball? Well, I uh, so I was on a team with Trey Lowes, um, Trayvon Blewett, um, a lot of top guys, you know, who, who in Indiana, like the best guys in Indiana. It was that, our, that was Team Spees, right? Yeah, Spees before our freshman year. And I just always remember Cream being at all our games. And, um, you know, it was crazy to me, like we're in eighth grade. So, uh, and then after, I think it was after one game, he just was like, I want to. I want you to come to Indiana. Like, I want to offer you a scholarship. And I was like, wow. So at that time, like, I was geeked. I was like, man, Indiana, like, you know, so um, I ended up, you know, going on a visit. I think it was to like a football game or something like that. And um, and you still decided to commit to Indiana after that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. I was like, I, I really don't know what else, I, like, what more do I want, you know, like, I think that I think that, you know, once I've become the player that I know I can become in Indiana and then coming here, like I was like, you, you really can't beat that. And then, you know, being in the conference room with Crean, he he was just like, you want to come to Indiana? Like, and I was just like, yeah. And then after that, you know, it kind of blew up, you know, and then, you know, I was overwhelmed after that. But I think that you know, through it all, like, because shortly after that, I hurt my knee, you know, they were always there. They always still knew who I could be. You know, I didn't regret it um, one bit. Well, right. and and if you know, I have the timeline, right, as you're making this decision, IU still isn't very good yet. So then you're also sitting back and you're watching what Coach Crean is yeah. building with Vic and then getting Cody and knowing Yogi's yeah. coming. So what was that part of the decision like as you're, it, you're watching the progress? Yeah, it was really like um, even at that time, they weren't that good. But going to the basketball games and stuff like that, it was like how much the fans love, you know, the team and, you know, what they knew the team could be. I think that's what sold me on it. I was like, if I'm there, we're going to be good. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, uh, not too much if they're good now, but, you know, what Cream was saying and what he was selling and uh, what he wanted me to be, um, I think that's what sold me on that. So you commit. Your your AAU teammate, Trey Lyles, commits also. Yeah. We're not going to focus too much on him. Um, <laughs> but – you, you then, as you say, your career goes on. You want to take a, a, a look at what else is out there. You decommit from Indiana. And while I'm sure the influx of offers and love that you got from the outside was overwhelming, did you get your first taste at negativity towards you from decommitting to Indiana? Did you mm -hmm. feel it at that moment? Yeah, I did. I think that uh, I remember I had Twitter at the time. I think that I had to like deactivate it for a second, you know, it was going crazy. Um, but 
I knew I knew that I wasn't really saying like I didn't want to go there. And Cream knew that as well. He he understood too. He I just told him like, look, I just, you know, if it's right, it's gonna be right. Um, and he understood that. And I think that was a big part of me coming back as well, because he never was like, Oh, okay. Um, he decommitted. Um, but they never gave up, like to the last second, you know, Cream was always like, We need you and um you know, we want you to be the 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 big piece here. Did they do anything different in the re, uh, recruitment? We'll call it. Did they break out any? Like, did they have any more tricks up their sleeve as far as just showing you how much they wanted you uh, and how you uh, like? And then, and then, what was the moment that you knew? Okay, it is right. I want to be there. Man, well, like people don't know how crazy my uh, decision was. Um, but, you know, Cream was very consistent. Like he like he would show up. He would come to the house and uh, he like he wouldn't leave. Even, even uninvited. No, no, nah, nah, he was invited for sure. But <laughs> like, he'd be there. He'd be there for a while. Like we'll have dinner. And he'll still be there. Like, but no, nah, that's that's besides the fact. But um, my decision like uh, of college was so crazy. Like only the people with me, my family know. Um, how stressful it was and, and what it came down to. But literally, I had both hats right here. And, you know, um, at that time and, you know, the, the conversations we had, I just felt like, um, you know, and honestly, I was I was announcing on ESPN and um, I had I had to tell ESPN, like, look, I, I honestly don't know because they were telling me what they were telling me. All right. Where is it going to be? Um you have to give the interview for like what your team's going to look like next year. And I was just like, honestly, I don't know. You need to give me like a little bit more time. And so I go in there, both hats and they wait, were wait just like, time, oh, out, time out, time out. You did not know what you were going no, to decide. <laughs> when you I literally into the room, you didn't know. No, I, so I had made a decision and then when they called me, I was like, oh, because I was kind of like going back and forth. It was crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah, so when I ended up walking in and having both hats there and um, they they prepared for both interviews on what it was going to be, what I was going to look like in both places. And it was crazy just at the last, you know, couple moments before I was about to decide, I was just like, this is it. This is what it's going to be. And, you know, I rocked with it and, and I didn't look back. And, you know, I, I I don't regret it. And I think it was the best decision, you know, I could make. What what was, do you remember the moment, the thought when you picked Indiana? Like what decided? Like, I was just you? like, I was just like, man, like, so Kentucky or where the other place, you know, I felt like <laughs> sorry. We like that. But no, I like just that. felt like I just felt like, you know, Indiana, like this is where I'm from. You know, I wanna be that guy. Like I wanna leave a legacy. I wanna do it my way. You know, there was a lot of guys going um, you know, the other place, but I just felt like, you know, me, I, I wanna be that guy and I wanna do something different and I wanna put this place on because this is where I'm from. God, I love that. I mean, that's the clip. So did you ever have to call the other guy and tell my, him my, coming? Man, my pops pretty much handled that because he, uh, you know, he was 
you know, pretty close and they always talked a lot. Yeah. Um, I, and I think he understood too, just the pressure I was dealing with, um, respect to him as well. But, you know, I, I didn't really, uh, I don't remember making a call, um, back to him. Um, uh, I think my pops handled, handled that. He just was like, this is what's going on. So then you get to come to Indiana and you know, what's really interesting. And I think we'll get into this as we go through your career. You don't realize it when you're going through it. You may have, but I think us as fans don't really realize just how much turmoil was going on with each one of your teams. I mean, it's yeah. almost like you had brand new teams every year you were there. And yeah. I didn't realize that as a fan. And when I did a little research, we'll get into it year by year. But let's talk about year one. You come in with a recruiting class that I would describe as great highs and great lows. It's, yeah. it's and I'm not trying to insult anybody, but look, yeah. you and Robert Johnson coming in together uh, are maybe the greatest pair of guards as far as recruits and the, the impact that you had on Indiana, three years for you, four years for Robert, that maybe have ever existed for two guards that came in. It's just an amazing thing what you did. But then you also came in with Tim Priller, Jeremiah Priel, you know, that, that didn't have any impact. There, there yeah. wasn't a lot of in-between. You know, Emmett Holt, mm -hmm. I think, was part of your class. Um, and Nick Zeisloft was the only senior on, yeah. on the team. So did you know Robert Johnson? Uh, we, we kind of as fans think that you guys were like best friends from birth because it just seemed like <laughs> it was the Jimmy Buckets and Rojo show. But but I don't know what was the reality there. Um, I knew I knew of Rob, but I didn't really know him. Uh, because Rob was at a couple of the like late Rob blew up late, I think. Yep. Um so like I kind of like knew him uh from like some of those camps and, and tournaments and stuff like that. Um and then when we got on campus, um like Rob was a guy who he really like pushed me a lot because he was he was a guy who wanted it just like me. Oh um, man, we would go at it a lot, like one on ones, like even after practice and stuff like that. Like we was all he was always, you know, one of those guys that that um, pushed me for sure. Um, so that that, you know, made our relationship better and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, and then the other guys, I think they just followed our lead because they saw me, how me and Rob treated it and how serious we took it. Um, so I think that made them better as well. Now, the the year before, after Cody and Vic left and, and sort of the keys were given to Yogi, and we've talked to both Yogi and Coach Crean about, you know, the transition and Yogi needing to step into his leadership role. So he's a mm -hmm. junior now, point guard, uh, three years running. What what was he like? What Did you see him start to really step into that leadership role for you guys? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Yogi, Yogi was a guy too. Like he, he showed us like, you know, what it took, like if we wanted to win, um, you know, and he would always tell us like what the environments are going to be like, what, you know, the situations are going to be like. Um, and then playing with him, it made, it made it easier for me, you know, cause I'm a guy who can make shots and same with him. So uh, he would always tell me, you know, like, this is how we can be successful and us two being able to score the way we can, you know, we can be like one of the best backcourts. And he was telling me that early. So, you know, I always had that in my head. 
So you come to, to IU. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question that we ask every single person that played for your coach. So, and by the way, we've had your coach on twice and we consider him a friend of ours. We like him a lot. So you cannot be offended by this question. When did you <laughs> realize that Tom Crean was a crazy person? <laughs> and by the way, wait, I did ask him that question also. I asked him that exact question. What did he say? <laughs> he gave a real answer. He said like, he went back a little bit and said, you know, when he realized how hard he had to work because he didn't have some like God given things to get a, an edge, yeah. you know, like he realized he just had to kind of outwork everybody. Man, and, and, like in terms of like crazy, I think that it's just, he wants to win so bad. Like uh, he'll go, you, like he'll do the most, like, uh, like, he just, you know, wants to win so bad. Uh, he does all the research, like stuff like that. Like I'll go in his office sometimes and he'll be watching games from like the NBA from like 1990, like just random games. Just like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> what is that? But like, he's just like, I want to see how, you know, he did this, how he, you know, he just, you know, one of those guys who, you know, will do the extra to be the best. What, is that kind of film study? Is that something you'd gotten into with your dad or earlier, like through high school or was getting to IU and doing the real film breakdown sessions? Was that your introduction? I think I think it was probably like we did film, but it was never like this. You know, uh, he definitely was, you know, the one who got me more detailed on like this. And, and in college, you have to be that way. You have to scout your opponents and stuff like that. And he made sure that I knew that, you know, you just your talent and everything like that, that you're bringing here is not enough at this level. You have to, you know, do the little things. You have to watch film. You have to see what you can do better. You have to uh, see who you're playing against and watch his tendencies and stuff like that. So I think that's a lot of what uh, Coach Crean did teach me. So your freshman year, who's your roommate? Uh, I didn't have. We didn't have roommates. I had. A, I had. Yeah, we we were at the little uh, the the dorm across the street uh, Brisco? called Briscoe. Disco Briscoe. Yeah. Brisco? I think they got. Yeah, yeah. Disco Briscoe. Yeah. <laughs> so no roommates, and the first taste you get of competition at Indiana is you guys go on a pretty intense Canadian trip where you play five games in Canada. That's mm -hmm. no, that's no rest, you know, sightseeing trip. Um, right. And you had a really successful five games there. Um, uh -oh, oh, there you go. No, um, what was it like? What do you remember from that trip and like your first taste of, of playing with your teammates at Indiana? I think, I think that's where we kind of like saw who we were and who we could be. Um, saw like how we could play together. Um, because I remember like me, Yogi and Rob, like we never in practice before that, we never really um, played w on the same team as each other and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of when we figured out like how we're going to do it, because we're all three, you know, small, smaller guards, um, you know, that could be ball dominant as well, could have the ball in their hands a lot. Um, and I think that trip uh, showed us a lot. Uh, about the team we could be and then just putting it all together. I think that I I remember playing well there too. It gave me some confidence 
uh, and stuff going into the season. Yeah, almost 19 points a game in your first go around with. I didn't. Re- I didn't remember that, but I remember that after that, I was like, okay, uh, well, I- I'm ready. Well, and that that the current team, and I think if this is correct, th- their trip to the Bahamas was the first time. I, you had taken an international trip since that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the way we all want to spin it in, in terms of why we're going to be so good this year is it's not just about figuring out who you are on the court, but was, was the Canadian trip a, a bonding trip for you guys too? Hey, just yeah, friends? for sure. For sure. You know, cause a lot of the time, you know, you, you only can, when you go on those trips, you only can practice. They give you short periods of time. So other than that, you're with your teammates, you're with your guys and, you know, that's when you get closer as a team. And I remember that, you know, we bonded a lot um, through that time and became closer. Do you remember anything silly or funny, uh, just a story that we may not have heard that happened on the Canadian trip? You're laughing. On the Canadian trip. <laughs> there was, man. There is. There is some stuff. Like, we were probably in some places we shouldn't have been, but. Um, <laughs> no, 18. After, after, 18 yeah. is the legal age for pretty much everything in Canada. Yeah, we probably made a, a couple moves that, you know, we shouldn't have made at that time. But looking back, you know, like what else, what else, you know, better will we do? Yeah. Um, so, look, every uh, story has high points and low points. And Canada seemed like a high point just for a bonding trip. You guys go four and one in those games. Some of those teams mm-hmm. are playing a pretty high level competition. But then Halloween comes around before the season starts. And this is your freshman year. Uh, you're just kind of getting settled into Indiana. You've only been there a couple months and all hell breaks loose basically because of the horrible accident that happens involving some of your teammates, Hannah Perea, Devin Davis, Emmett Holt, you know, and others. What do you remember about that night? And and how did you find out you, you weren't in that group, right? So how did you find out it happened? And what do you just remember about that? Those moments? Man, like, I just remember, I didn't think it was going to be, like, so shit. Like, when I got the call or whatever, I thought, I didn't know it was going to be, like, that big of a situation, you know. I think that, um, so when when I got the call, I think, I I forget what they told me what happened, but Devin was in the hospital, and then that's when I was like, wow, like, what's going on? So we rushed up there, and we, you know, saw if he was okay and, you know, coach was telling us like, you know, he, he might not be good, you know? Um, and then that's when we were like, wow, like this is a crazy situation, you know, like as a team, we got to like tighten up. Like we, you know, off the court, we can't be doing stuff like this. You know, we're, we're a select group. Like we're Indiana basketball players. Like, you know, we have to carry that with pride no matter where we are. Um, so I think that, you know, guys stepped up and we started to come even closer after that. But, you know, that was a terrible situation and one that I'll never forget. Does that Is make something... you just kind of grow up? Sorry, Ward. Um, yeah. Does that make you just grow up real quick? I mean, yeah. Yeah, what's it for like sure. seeing a teammate of yours, you know, hooked up to tubes, you know, and, and just not knowing? Yeah, it, it, it made us grow up for sure because – you know, like, I don't want to say, like, we you think you're invincible or something like that, but, you know, just being an Indiana basketball player, you can't, like, act, you know, like, just like the normal 
student at Indiana would act. You know, you have to carry yourself a class and, you know, you have to be serious about that stuff. So, I mean, I was pretty locked in on myself and my situation, but I think that opened myself up to my teammates. Like, look, this is the way, like, because that was already installed, like, in me and, you know, certain other guys. But, you know, just as a team, I think that brought us closer to, to to each other and showed us like we can't be doing certain stuff what now is that that stuff starts to i mean you know obviously it it goes on for a long time um coach Crean ultimately has to let some of the guys go but getting to the season you you a lot of times this conversation is oh so now all of a sudden you're you're at college and you've got to make this adjustment to a whole new <laughs> level of basketball and you're coming off the bench how tough was that but you're you're like leading scorer for more than half of the games coming out of the gate what was that surprising to you or did, did you're like man i i got this 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 is this is just how i do it even though i just got here man um i don't think it was surprising honestly um i think it was exactly how how i planned it i think that you know in the once big 10 season started or whatever i think that uh it surprised me that i didn't play as well as i did before Right. Um, but that was a different type of adjustment, you know, that I had to make. But, you know, going into those games, I was just extremely locked in on because I, I wanted to show like that I was the best freshman, you know, um, out of out of my class and stuff like that. I wanted to show I made the right decision. Um, all that. I was just on a different level of men- mentality at that time. And so, um, so are but, you like checking but, what the other guys are averaging? The other for sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I'm like, man, I, I made the right decision. Like they're not even playing over there, and I'm, you know, <laughs> so like I, I was, I was into all that. Uh, well, and you did. I mean, you showed out. You scored 25 points in your first game. You scored 26 points against a ranked SMU team. Uh, you had big games. I mean, even in the loss to Georgetown in the Garden a game that I was at, you scored 22 points. Um, what was it like playing in the garden uh, against Georgetown? That had For a basketball Man. junkie, I can't imagine what that's like. That was so fun, and that, that was another reason why I wanted to go to Indiana as well, just the big games that, yes. you know, you're going to be in and stuff like that. Like, I don't know what, uh, you know, a competitor could, could want more of, but – you know, just being there, being able to be in that environment, um, you know, it was crazy and it was great. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I honestly miss it. Yeah, I, I, I would think that that's like juice that that once you get, it's very hard to to live without. You mentioned that when the Big Ten season started, that was a different kind of adjustment that you had to make. Yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit. And remember, you're talking to two um, mid-40s guys. I just – I do remember uh, – <laughs> I remember, you know, one of the – I never looked into what I'm shooting, percentages, none of that. I just know when I shoot, I think I'm going to make it. Um, I remember one of the coaches coming up to me and saying something like, uh, do you know what you're shooting from three? And I was like, no. And he showed me. He was like, if you miss your next – he might have said like 53s, you'll still be shooting better than anyone 
or something like that. And I think like that got in my head. Maybe that's exactly like what happened. Like I started mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, percentages and stuff wow. like that. Um, but now in terms of the Big Ten, um, I think that it's just like they know they know how to scout. Like they're not going to let the leading score, you know, just get, you know, everything he wants. So I had to figure out different ways to to, you know, get get my shots and, and be effective still. Um, but a lot of people don't know during that freshman year, uh, I, I, um, I think I like broke my wrist or something. So I always have my wrist tape. Um, nobody really knew that because I oh. was never like the talkative guy or, or the guy to make excuses and I was still playing. So I didn't want to make it a thing, but uh, my wrist was pretty bad. Like I, I took a fall one of those games and that's that that is part of the reason like I started shooting uh, not as not as great uh, during that year. So you wow. didn't even tell. I mean, obviously you had the rap. So yeah. Did, like, did Tim Garl know? Yeah, yeah. T- TG knew. Like, uh, he knew my wrist was, but he it. Was, I don't want to say it was broken or anything, but he knew I had to have that tape. Um, that made me feel, you know, better about it. But it was, pr- it was pretty. Uh, like some, like I'm a guy that wants to shoot all the time after practice. I got to get my makes after practice. But I remember during that time, you know, he would always tell me, like, look, you got to you can't do too much on it. That'll make it worse. So Mm. um, that was a time where just after practice, I had to go and just get treatment on it, get ice. It seems like, especially for shooters, it's all about confidence. And I'm Mm -hmm. guessing as much as just the repetitions of getting those makes after practice, just not being able to do that. Like, you know, yeah, you said you were kind of maybe getting in your head about percentages and stuff too, but just, kind of a little inner turmoil being like I didn't mm-hmm. get my shots up so you're not feeling quite as so good going into the next game mm-hmm. yeah you know I think earlier on I was more like that um, as I grew like now and stuff like that I'm a shooter and I'll always be one so I don't necessarily have to you know feel like I have to do that but for sure at that time I always wanted to get my little routine in or whatever I do it made me feel more confident and um, feel ready about the situation. Well, you came to Indiana for the big games and the big moments. And the year before you were there, Indiana missed the tournament after having a really good run. But Selection Sunday comes around this year and Indiana is in the tournament. Uh, Were you like, I don't want to say excited. Of course you were excited to be in the tournament. But I assume this is like your expectation when you come to Indiana. Like we're yeah. going to the tournament. Yeah. But still, when you see your name come up on Selection Sunday, what was that like? Man, I remember all of us being in there and in, in Cook Hall, and we really didn't know. I think Cream, I think he kind of knew because he was walking around. Like I think he would have been more worried if he didn't know. But uh, I, as a team, we didn't really know, and we just all went crazy. And then uh, – like it, that's something I'll never forget either. Just being there in Cook Hall and just everyone was so happy uh, that day when we got in. So well, you go and you play Wichita State. Uh, we don't have to talk about the results of that game. Nope. Yeah, 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 yeah. But let's let's talk about like going to that game and starting that game was that's another dream come true right there. That's like another yeah, check. Um, what sure. was the atmosphere like? atmosphere was great i remember uh you know i think we're i think we're in kansas if i'm if i'm correct but 
you know, I feel like they, you know, that was their backyard or whatever, but, you know, that was a big game. And, you know, being in those situations as a high play, high level player, you want to show out in those games. And that's just what I was thinking at that time. Um, and, you know, those were the environments um, I wanted to be in when I committed there. So it definitely was a dream come true. So the season ends, obviously, a little bit before we all wanted it to. Uh, and now we talk, we go into this thing that I mentioned earlier, where it's a totally new team, basically. Uh, you lose Stanford and you lose Max and Hanner and Jeremiah and Devin and Emmett. Uh, I mean, it's a whole new team, basically. And three guys come into the mix that kind of put their stamp on the program as well in Juwan Morgan, OG Ananobi, and Thomas Bryant. What do you remember just of the turmoil of so many guys leaving and so many, and, you know, and now three kind of impactful guys coming in. What, mm -hmm. what was your mindset during that time? During that time, I just remember, um, cause at first I really was, you know, in question of should I, come back or whatever but you know talking to cream and you know you know at that time thomas was a top player um he was telling me you know look yogi's coming back for sure um and he was like you know if you stay this is the year you'll really you know you can be a lottery guy instead of you know just you know get drafted late so um at that time you know just looking at the team we we're going to have, I was like, no question. I want to come back. Um, and just looking at how the new guys coming in would fit. Um, I, I always felt like we, that team had was special and um, we could do something special. So I was very excited about that year, just like everyone else. And the work ethic of that team was, was pretty good, solid as well. well I think we're talking pound for pound because it's just those three guys and all three of them are in the league. How mm -hmm. how evident? I mean, everybody knew Thomas was that coming in. How mm -hmm. evident was it to you right away that Juwan and OG had such high ceilings too, or were they guys where it, it took a while for for it to develop and for you to see it? Yeah, I think you know with Thomas, everyone kind of knew, um, but with the other two, like just the way they you know, carried themselves was different. Like OG, I think it, and I just always remember OG, um, you know, coming to me for advice and, and like what he can do to like, cause he wasn't really playing at first, right. just how he can get on the court, how he can, you know, show himself. Um, and like, he, like he always, if I'm in the gym, he would want to come with me and we would always meet up at the gym late, uh, you know, late nights and stuff like that. So that's when I knew about OG that, you know, he could be special. Um, and just with all three of them, you know, same with Jawan. Jawan was a guy he practiced very hard every day um, and he wanted to get better. So like where they're at is, is not, is for a reason. And it, it and it's not just, and it's not luck. It's uh, um, they're there for a reason. So this year starts weird. I mean, it, it it's a little rocky. You lose to Wake Forest. You lose to UNLV. You're putting up some big games. Your shooting percentages, even though you're probably not focused on them anymore, are, are solid. Um, but some ups and downs, obviously, lose the game to number seven Duke. Um, in, in, and, the, and the real big swings. Like, you guys have some really good games and then a really bad loss yeah. by, by a wide margin. But 
another obstacle gets put in your way, which is you your knee gets hurt mm-hmm. in January and you have to go under the knife and that kills the rest of the season for you. Yeah. Just a few months earlier, you're contemplating going to the NBA. Yeah. And now you're dealing with a knee injury. Yeah. Uh, what's going through your mind, James, at a time like that? Man, I'm not going to lie. That was one of the toughest times, like, as a player. Like, I was so – like, I was hurt over that one because I already had had a situation in high school. Right. And, I, and that – at that situation in high school, I was like a sophomore and that was hard. Um, but, you know, just how I had to battle to come back and, you know, um, making it to the McDonald's All-American game and stuff like that. After that, it was just like a tough road. So I knew what, you know, that road was like. And, and you know, it was something that I didn't really want to go through again, especially not, you know, with that team or in college or when I'm trying to make my dream come true. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was very tough for me, but I knew, you know, what it took. And this time I think that I took it on like even more seriously. And, you know, I was even more locked in on the process. So I gave myself a, like a week to feel sorry for myself. And then after that, I just went to work. Mm. Wow. Well, the other thing that happens that time is your team goes to work and things yeah. start coming together for the team. And you're a huge piece of this team. I mean, you know, Yogi obviously is a senior in this year and Thomas is, is a big recruit, but you're the best shooter on the team uh, along mm-hmm. with, with Yogi. You're relied on for scoring, but the team's figuring it out without you. Was that difficult at all just from like a personal ego thing? It, like uh, my uh, team doing this without me? Did that ever creep into no. your head? It, it didn't creep in my head that way. It was like more of like because because I knew that like it was early in the season and stuff. We were still f- figuring ourselves figuring ourselves out. I always knew that that's where that team would get to mm-hmm. um, because that's what we always talked about. So I never looked at it like that. Um, I looked. I just looked at it like you know I was just like a cheerleader at that time. Like I just wanted the best for everyone. Because I knew that, you know, my situation and I, and um, the way I was going to come back. So just, you know, being a part of that run was one of some of my funnest times, you know, being there, um, going through that process and being on my grind and, you know, just supporting the team and um, being a part of that, that tournament run we had um, and those games we were winning, man, it was it was like it was probably, you know, some of the best times I've had there. Hmm. Do you, do you, you got, you win the big 10 championship that year. Yeah. You get a big 10 championship ring. I am always amazed when I meet people that have won big 10 championships and they don't wear the ring every day. Cause that's what I would do. Where is your big 10 championship ring? Man. uh, So my big 10 championship ring is is at home in in Fort Wayne. I keep it in same box. It's right there at the crib. Um, Next to the shoes that you know I was wearing that that year, so oh, that's something special, I like man. That. I I do. I wonder. It's been you know, let's say since your 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 sophomore year and coming back from that knee injury, then it's a like a few intense years of basketball all day, every day. The lights turn on, pressure, performance. You're always being counted on to score, and that the fact that you were able to enjoy that run. 
was there any part of you that that maybe it was just nice to have a, a, a break from having to perform and like, yes, you had to work on the knee, but that you could be uh, an Indiana a, college a regular, student. a regular Indiana college student. That's what I meant. Uh, kind of when I said that, like, it was kind of like a time for me to like, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm lying because I was working so hard, but it was just different. It was like, I'm supporting my team. Um, you know, going to class, trying to do what I can. It was just, I was locked in, you know, on, you know, everything. It made me more of a rounded person, I would say. Mm. All right, so before we get into your junior year, I am curious, what do you fill your time with when you aren't playing basketball? Are you a movie guy, a TV guy, a music guy? Like, what What do you do for fun? Uh, So I'm a, I'm a music guy. I always like to be with, with friends and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was into the video games and stuff like that at that time. And a lot of the times, man, you're so tired after those practices we had for Coach Crean. I was really just chilling. Like whenever whenever I could kick my feet up and just watch movies and Netflix and stuff like that, I took advantage. Are you are you like a Marvel guy? Do you watch the Marvel superhero movies? Not not, not really. Not really. Right, so what's your favorite yeah, movie? Just more, Give me your my favorite, favorite movie. Of all time. My favorite movie is Love and Basketball or He Got Game. Nice. Um, you are a basketball junkie. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about what about music? What are you listening to these days? Right now, you know, there, there was a Drake album that just came out. Um, but I'm I listen to everything, you know, but just right now there's Drake that just came out. Um what about the Kanye album? Kanye, I listen to I listen to the whole thing. I don't play it too much, but you know, I give everything a chance, but um, what about I, I, what about Robert Johnson's music? Rob, Rob <laughs> yeah, I listen to his stuff too. His his brother sends it to me all the time. That's um, great. Sends it because they both uh, they both make songs and stuff like that. So his brother will always shoot it to me, and then he'll shoot me, you know, what he's working on too. Well, and you know, we know because of with the religious side of things. Roberts like let his hair go and he's got a whole different look for people who are just listening to this and not watching. You got this nice full beard now. Have you have you been rocking that for a while? Is that your thing now? Man, uh yeah, it's my thing, but you know, sometimes you don't trust the barbers out here too much. Last year I had a <laughs> <laughs> so I let it go until I find, you know, the right guy. But last year I had, you know, a, a, a nice situation going on in Istanbul. This year I gotta figure it out. I just got here, so I'm gonna be rocking this until I until I figure it out. I love it. All right, so you battle your ass back from this knee Wait, surgery. We, we we can't miss the 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 game against Kentucky to get to the Sweet 16. Sure. We know you couldn't participate, but you know you're you're down opposite bench of of where you could have been, and to watch yeah. your teammates pull that one out and get you guys to the sweet 16 what what were you going through during that game how good did the end of that game feel that felt amazing but that is one game where i was like damn like i wish i wish i could could be in this one it was that was one of those games that did that i was like man what i do to be on the court um but just being in that locker room man like that was that was one of the best, you know, moments ever, just celebrating that win and, you know, what it took for that team to get there, um, just the work we put in, 
um, through that year and stuff like that. It, it was it was a great moment. All right. So you're battling back and you make it all the way back. I mean, you, you went out in January and you're ready to go for the beginning of the year. And you're not just ready to go, but holy hell, do you show out in the first game of the year. But before I, I mention that, I do want to say again, your third year, it's again a whole new team. Yogi's gone, you know, um, Yogi's gone, Max is gone, Zeisloff's gone, Troy is gone, and it, it's just a different group now. And Duran Davis is there, Devontae Green, Curtis Jones, Freddie McSwain, Grant Galon. It's, it's again, just kind of a new group, but a lot of it, huge expectations on this team because OG is back, who everybody's now expecting to kind of become the superstar. Thomas decides to come back but you're coming back. And mm -hmm. that, that just leads us to think, Oh my God, Robert Johnson, James Blackman, Jr. We've got the front court. We've got the back court. And you open the season against the third ranked team in the country, Kansas, who historically owns Indiana. I mean, they just do. They are more than Kentucky, more than Duke. Kansas is Indiana's historical nemesis. When we play them, they just seem to have our hand and it's the nationally televised game. What is your mindset going into that game? Because I just cannot imagine how much you're ready to go. In Hawaii, mind you. Yeah. Man. Um, just. By the way, know, now we can only see your lips. There we go. There <laughs> sorry. We go. sorry. There we go. To, I was trying to put my stuff on the charger. Really but, uh, featuring the beard. Yeah. No, just. Uh, that's when I was like, man, I'm going to show everyone like who I am and, you know, show everyone like that I'm back. Um. And just on that stage, uh, I couldn't ask for a better, you know, opportunity. So, you know, that game is just definitely one that I made, you know, extra personal for those reasons and stuff like that. And just the team we had, uh, I think we wanted to show like what we could be that year and what we were going to be. Um, so I think that we carried it that way and, and just having that playing that way. Um, at that time, we we were very excited about that. Well, we, we as fans also, sorry, we as fans were also losing our minds with excitement after that game. And then there's another huge game coming that we lost our minds in excitement before. But in between, you you went back to Fort Wayne for a game. <laughs> Like, like what what was that? Just a case of you guys looking past it, or what happened there? Man, for sure. I think that guys just, you know, we kind of like was looking at North Carolina mm -hmm. that week, maybe. But at the same time, you know, those are the, that team uh, that we were playing in Fort Wayne. I knew it like those are guys that could play, too. Um, they had one of my friends on there from my city, Bryson Scott. And I knew, you know, just how, you know, jacked up they would be to play in Fort Wayne against us. Um so that was a game we kind of put ourselves in a bad position, you know, not coming out the way we should have and then trying to fight our way back. Um, in Fort Wayne, it was a tough environment to uh, try and get out of when we got ourselves so down. I, I want to read a couple um, stats from this season because I'm going to make an overall point about this. But you scored 26 points against Kansas. You go for 14 points and nine rebounds against number three, North Carolina at Assembly Hall uh, and win that game. 
You scored 26 points against Butler, 25 against Illinois, 33 against Michigan State, 23 and 8 against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. You scored 20 or more points 11 times, and you scored double figures in 28 of 30 games that year. The year obviously did not go the way anybody wanted it to. Uh, OG gets hurt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you miss a few games uh, due to due to injury. Um, but the point I want to make here is, how do I say this delicately? There are times where the Indiana fan base shows that they're the best fan base in the country, and there are times where we show we are not. Yeah. And I always felt that the way that you got treated, honestly, and I don't know if you felt this, but the way that you got treated specifically, especially in this season, was us showing that we are the, the worst of what we can be as a fan base. And I hated it because, I mean, you were, I mean, look at those points that I just read out. I mean, the performances were incredible. And the expectations on that team and you were extremely high, obviously. I mean, you came in with such, you know, pressure and, and ballyhoo that people expected. But you delivered. Did you feel that what I'm describing? Did you feel that? And was that difficult for you? Uh, I will say that I felt it. But I think that looking back, I think I felt it, felt it more my freshman year. I don't know why. But um, my junior year, maybe I just didn't really care. Um, but because, like, I always felt like I'm a guy who, like, I want – the best for like IU, like I came here for that reason. Um, And, you know, that's always what I wanted to show to people. Uh, Maybe like, I don't know if I gave the image sometimes, like I didn't care because I'm a laid back guy or like I didn't want to play defense. Maybe that's, I heard that a couple of times, but you know, I was, if people really like knew who I was or knew what I wanted for the program and stuff like that, they would never think that because, you know, I'm, like the ultimate competitor, like I worked, like if people saw how hard I worked during those, those times and stuff like that, I don't think that, no, you know, I you never, just, yeah. and look, you never pounded your own chest. Like you never promoted that the injury your freshman year, we didn't know about, but just, I mean, you're delivering this stellar junior year within months of recovering from knee surgery. I mean, like, right. I, I mean, it was, uh, the performances were stellar. This, the team's success, I think OG getting hurt had a lot to do with, you know, yeah. the downfall of that of that team. Your injuries, you know, missing a few games affected just some chemistry things. And then what starts to happen at the end of that year is there's pressure on your coach and the mm-hmm. fans calling for the coach's head, many of them. Mm-hmm. As a team, did you guys hear that? And what? how did yeah. that affect you? I think that we definitely heard it all, you know, um, and, you know, I won't say the fans necessarily had a, a, a something to do with it or anything like that, um, but it definitely, I could sense, like, that put pressure on the coach, you know, because mm-hmm. game plans would change and things like that to where we were like, well, like, why don't we just play how we played against Kansas, you know? That's what we always felt as a team. Um, and just me as a player, I, I wish that I could show I could have showed more of what I could do, like as a creator um, and with the ball, because a lot of people just at Indiana know me as a shooter and just a, uh, just a scorer and stuff like that. But, you know, what I'm getting to show now, um, just my all around game and stuff like that, I wish I could have 
showed more of that at Indiana, I think that, you know, that would have made our team or teams, you know, even more, even better than they were. But before, you know, we we move along completely, I, I want to jump back to that North Carolina game because I think we all realize Fort Wayne was a fluke. And to me, in terms of like peak excitement level during your time there, it was like, obviously, Kansas, we were like, oh, we're like amazing. Fort Wayne, we were like, okay, we were looking past them. And now let's see if North Carolina, if this team's really has the potential we think it does. And that's an assembly hall. It's the Big Ten ACC Challenge, two of the greatest programs of all time. And, And you get to, you know, play in this in front of the home crowd. What did that feel like? Was that was that like the payoff of that decision you made a few years back to come to IU? For sure, man. That was the craziest environment I think that I've played in. Um, just like everyone was there, like, and it was jam-packed. Like, you couldn't hear anything. Um, and, you know, as a team, we just wanted to show, like, what we were. And, you know, we knew that loss was bad, but we felt like this can, you know, erase that and get us right on the right track. So that's what we were thinking. But, you know, as a player playing in that environment, man, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So that's definitely um, a reason that, you know, I committed there. Because I I think most Hoosier fans looking back at that season realize, you know, you're, you're missing some games and OG being out completely. It's, it joins the ranks of, of many IU teams of the past that were really good and had a potential to make a real run in March, but were derailed by injuries. So yeah. it's like, I, I think there's few people that would really be like, oh, that team, um, because of their own lack of effort or want, didn't fulfill its potential. It was derailed, you know, by a couple key injuries. Yeah. I do wonder, because we've asked this of him and of other people, do you think if you hadn't had that bad luck that Coach Crean might still be our coach? That's the uh, – man, I don't know about him still being the coach, um, but the without the bad luck, I definitely do think – you. Know, I always felt that – we thought we could win the whole thing with that team, the talent we had on that team. Yes. Um, me, Rob, uh, Jawan, OG, Thomas, uh, and then our bench, Josh, Newkirk, um, you know, Duran. Duran. Um, you know, that whole team was so talented, and we all felt like, hey, like, we, we can do it. And, you know, they were kind of telling me, like, all right, like, lead us to where – you know, we think we can go. And that's what we – that was our plan before Kansas game, um, and that's how we kind of played. And, you know, during that season, just – there was a lot of ups and downs through that year. It was hard. Um, but just things changed in, in terms of game plans and everything like that. But, you know, with the bad luck that we had, um, I definitely do think that all of us being healthy, that we, we definitely uh, could have made – made a long run that year no doubt so you obviously choose to pursue your professional career after that year um a lot of things change for indiana it's the end of an era truthfully because obviously that that ends the era for tom cream uh i 
I'm always happy when guys go to the pros, honestly, because I just think it's like, that's what you're in college for is to make a livelihood. So I was yeah. happy for you. The thing that makes me sad for you, truthfully, is you deserved a senior day. You know, like you deserve a moment. And when you, when you leave early, you don't get that moment where the fans get to say sure. thank you. And you deserved that moment for your career, for what you battled through, for the injuries we knew about and the ones we didn't know about. You, you're just, you were one of the, mo the most fun, entertaining players to watch. You, your skill level was Appreciate so high. I want you to know how much the fans, especially now in retrospect, when we have some perspective, we value you so much and what you did. And I know Ward and I do. And I just wish you had the moment. We need you back in assembly hall <laughs> so that we can do this for you. Like we need, I, you appreciate that, I know man. the schedules are tough. It's tough yeah. to make that Tel Aviv to Bloomington commute, <laughs> but, but no. do you, would you like to come back uh, and, and be back in the hall? Yeah, for sure. I remember uh, when I was playing in, in Italy, uh, we, we always get the fever break and me, OG, um, and Jawan, we decided to go to the same game. Um, I definitely, you know, if I get that same opportunity, I definitely would, you know, do the same thing. So um, I appreciate that, though. But for yeah. sure, I love to be back there. Well, and I do hope more people uh, get understand your mindset as to why you wanted to come to IU. And once you mm -hmm. were at IU, what it was about for you because yeah jimmy buckets were like we all just loved watching you drop them in from the outside uh, but i think what's wonderful about you taking this much time to let us get to know you better as a person and what motivates mm -hmm. you it's not just seeing the rock drop through the net but that right. being from indiana and an indiana kid and and despite having a father who went to the other school, like yeah. that name means so much to you and that that it is it's important to us, too, that that you want to come back and still be a part of the family, because when your coach isn't there and, of course, none of the players that you were with are there, it's like, well, he he still feels like he's one of us. Right. And he still loves being yeah. a part of this family. And so to have you there in person, I think we would all just go crazy. <laughs> no, yeah, we'll we'll have to do that, and I'll have to let you guys know. Um, let us, we'll be there when I can make it happen, man. So, because uh, right. for sure. Before we let you go, questions we asked everybody who spent time in Bloomington: Give us your favorite restaurant in Bloomington. You got one meal to eat, one meal. What's it going to be? It what is it late or is it Ooh. early? That's a one good of question. No, but that's one a good each. question. That is, is a very insightful question. Let's <laughs> say, let's do it's breakfast or it's dinner. Ooh, you, get, you get you get to pick a breakfast and and I'm talking breakfast. dinner. I'm not talking two a.m. Because because no, but oh, I, you're not talking two a.m. Because what James? What I think you were talking about was like oh a regular meal or late night. Yeah 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 yeah. That's what I, I was talking yeah, about. Well, so give, give us, us all three. But, all three. Breakfast? What's what's the breakfast spot? Um, right there on uh, a deli, Runcible Spoon. Yeah, Vill Village Deli. Oh, Runcible Spoon was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can't go wrong with Village Deli. Um, yeah. uh, regular dinner. Go regular dinner. Uh, I was always I was at Buffalo's a lot, like because it was quick, fast, like. After practice, Buffalo, you can't go wrong with Buffalo's. But um, 2 a.m.? 
2 a.m. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. We were hitting ZNC. Is that still there? Yes, it is. <laughs> like Wait. I wasn't. I didn't try. I didn't want to do it too much, but man, it was it was fire. Like wait, late was night. the order? Was it chicken teriyaki with spicy mayo? Yeah, extra spicy mayo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got Warren. Wait, hold on. Next. Yeah, I, you got one class you want to skip. What's your least favorite class? You're skipping out on it. You just can't handle it today. One favorite class. Least Man, favorite. We, I, least favorite. Ah. The uh, finite, like. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yep. Man, I'm getting out of the finite. <laughs> All right. You got to order one pizza. Where are you ordering pizza? One pizza. Uh. Oh man, what's the spot? Hold up. Well, we got can you, th- Mother can you tell me some Mother Bears, Mother Bears. That's it. More There's also the Pizza Bears. X. Pizza X. I'm going with Mother Bears, but yeah, Pizza X was a late night. All right, and before we wrap it up, basketball or otherwise, what was your single favorite moment? of being a student athlete at Indiana. It could be a basketball moment or it could be something else. What was your single favorite moment? Single favorite moment. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, I would say just like the days when, when I was just a normal, like Indiana student, like just uh, being on that campus, man, and uh, just being around like normal, students and stuff like that those were like good days for me like uh, and then also and then on the basketball court I would say either when we were playing against North Carolina or when we beat Kansas like because I was coming back off the injury and everything that was a big moment for me okay is there maybe when you're you're texting or you're seeing the guys is there like one funny moment one funny story that still cracks you guys up to this day that's the crazy thing about it. We uh like I I literally was just talking to Yogi, the crazy thing. Uh and we'll just like be talking about random times we had. Uh it's not really just one thing, it's just all the times uh that we had there. But you know, just the being able to still keep in contact with uh, you know, everyone. Like I was just talking to Josh yesterday, stuff just stuff like that. So I'd I'd say just the relationships it built um, through the through those times and stuff like that. And, and talking to Yogi, he's asking me about how he's overseas, like how many bags should he take and stuff like that, because he's he's you know signing a great deal um, in Russia coming up. So oh, great, just you know having those uh, relationships still to this day. All right, but I can't let you go without. No, I saw good. I got time. All right. Well, I got to ask this, though. We've Tom Crean's told us about crazy vampire bats that he used to motivate people. We've heard about the towel drill over the basket. We're just turning. Oh, I got a crazy story, man. Come on. Hit us with it. (laughs) Hit us with it. Yo. So (laughs) I don't know why this one. There's so many. There's so many. Because when you when you said. uh, My back on. When yep. you said crazy, I just started laughing because there's so many things that he used to do that was just different. Um, 
but I don't know why this is coming in my head, but uh, that we I think we're in Iowa and we had came off a tough stretch and um, like we're because th- sometimes we'll we'll after bad games and stuff even in the other before we go to a road game or when we're there we'll even though we're playing the game we're gonna practice like hard like mm-hmm. he you know that was one of his ways of telling us like you know. Uh, or punishing us I don't know but <laughs> so we're in Iowa and we think uh we're thinking that we, he's like man come we're going to practice we're, we're watching film and it was just bad the game we had played before we're wa- he's like all right we're going to the gym like pack it up everybody so we're like man like so we're about to play a game and we're about to go practice again so we're all thinking he's like follow me everybody follow me we're like all right so we're all following him. Then all of a sudden he hits a, we're in the hotel. He hits a weird, he hits a turn. We're like, where are we going? Then all of a sudden he has all his clothes on. Like, and he opens the door to the workout room. We're still following him. We're like, we're working out in the hotel. He opens the door to the pool. And then he like, follow me. And then he just like jumps in the pool. Like, we're like, what? He like everybody jump in, and then we was just like in the pool, just like messing around, like, uh, like full, full <laughs> like, clothes, some full clothes. Like we had our practice gear on, all that. I think he was just trying to like get us loose, you know, get us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we just in there like dunking, dunking them under the water, and all, all stuff like that. Like, you were dunking coach under the water. Yeah, yeah, all of them. <laughs> coach doesn't like to have his hair messed with. Man, that day he didn't he didn't care, but uh, just you know there was a lot of situations uh, like that, but that was just one that just came to my head. I love that. Are I you able that. to to stay in touch with Coach at all? Yeah, uh, he'll he'll reach out um, stuff like that. Uh, I know he has a bit busy schedule and stuff like that, but he'll he'll always you know keep in contact with everyone. So uh, that's one thing about him. He'll always you know check on his guys and 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 hope the best for him. And, and, you know, if he, if you want advice from him, you can always call on him. Like where to get the best tanning booth in town. (laughs) (laughs) Look, one of the reasons we love doing this podcast and Ward brought it up a little bit is that we get to learn about the people behind the Jersey, you know, and in Tom Crean's case, the person behind the suit. And we really enjoyed getting to know him and it kind of, fleshed him out as a real human being more than just I think the the stuff that the media puts out or that fans think and I've loved spending this time with you Jimmy Buckets because I I just did not know you really at all as a personality and and what you what made you tick and I I think we we've got a little bit of a sense of that and it's just been a joy to meet you I was a huge fan of your game the skill level that you have and that you possess and that you continue to show as you ply your craft across the world is so high level that we were lucky as Indiana fans to have that for three years. And, uh, and, and I think the more we get away from it, absence makes the heart grow fonder. The more that people realize how special it was to have you in Bloomington for the time you were and, and how special it's been to have you for this last hour and a half that you've been with us. I really appreciate it, man. Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate those words, man. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for having me on here. And, uh, you know, to to you and all the fans who who want to see me still 
play. I think that I, you know, I, I think that I'm still getting better as a player. And uh, it, if I'll start posting the links on my Instagram and stuff yes. like that, so people can tap in. Please do uh, it. We'll, we'll push that stuff out for sure. Yeah. yeah all right. Sounds sounds good. I'll do that for sure. Because you know, with with all that, we're really proud of you. You know, as my wife's from Fort Wayne, and we take our kids to Marion on vacation. So you know, just to know that not only what you did at IU, but what you know as an ambassador of the state and of the game on the other side of the world, there's just so much pride in what you've done and what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You be good, man. You guys too. Thanks for having me. That was a guest. That was a guest. I, I got to tell you, Ward, I don't, I, I can't think of one that we've done where at, at the end of it, the way I felt about the person and, and how I would describe the person is so different than what my perception of them was going in. And in the best possible way here. Um, but I just, I, I, I just, I, he is so likable. I mean, he is just so damn likable and thoughtful and sweet. Um, yeah, you're right. There, there is a, I, and I hope that doesn't sound weird, but there is just a gentle sweetness to him that you can tell there's emotion behind it. When he talks about his love of Indiana and why he wanted to go there, you said it so beautifully, how he was a, um, a representative of the state, you know, and, and what it means to be a Hoosier. I, I just, uh, I'm blown away by him. Yeah, it, I, I think in summing up what I thought were the, the general Hoosier fans' perceptions of him uh, were, of course, actually my own, where, look, I, certainly back then, not really listening to all the post-game press conferences, and even if you do, unless somebody's sort of exceptional and really comfortable in that spot, you don't get a good idea of who they are, and so to me, I, I sort of didn't have a feel for him as a human being, just as Jimmy Buckets inside the lines. And th that it just those things I said about being proud of him were so amplified because I know what now I know how he feels about being from Indiana and why he chose to go to Indiana and that his his. You know, obviously for on the court, he got to be on the court for those Kansas and North Carolina games, but that these guys who have this mentality of it's it's about Indiana, it's about the team, to be able to genuinely enjoy the Big Ten championship run that he couldn't participate in, it just speaks volumes to his character. That That's it for me. Like that, him talking about that little period is more insightful on who he is as a human than anything else. Like that, he's the star. He's the big recruit. He's the potential NBA player. And he can't play. And he is, he said to us that some of the most fun times he had at Indiana was that run where he's just a regular student and he's more of a cheerleader for his team, his words. That is everything. And and my perception going into this, if somebody had asked me, describe James Blackman Jr., I would have probably used words like aloof, um, mm. cold, uh, hard, um, maybe even apathetic. Like just again, basing it on nothing but watching somebody for 40 minutes of basketball time. 
That's yeah, it. Play, play a game. And, that's and, it. and what he said up at the top of like how different he is, you know, and how he learned like, oh, when we get on the court, we're, we're different people. And if you're playing against me, we're no longer friends. Uh, but but it became immediately apparent of like, this is a guy you'd love to be friends with and just hang out with. Immediately apparent, right? right? Like within, I was trying to save the question because it, it just occurred to me like three minutes in, I'm like, well, he is nothing like I ever imagined. There is this gentleness, this sweetness, this emotion um, and thoughtfulness behind things. I just, uh, and how he talked about, um that he gets to play basketball for a job, yeah, you know, and just, just living in the moment of that and not, and not comparing that to, Oh, I wish I was in the NBA. Like, sure. That's the ultimate goal, but don't let the ultimate goal detract from the, the um, present reality. Yeah. And the beauty of it. Yeah. Uh, and, and the joy of it. And he genuinely seems like he's enjoying it. Um, I, I I just absolutely 180 from not that I didn't like him because I did marvel at his ability to make baskets. Mm-hmm. I mean, his skill level was just sensational. And again, it's so funny, Ward. You think about the last four years, right? What is the one thing that we have said that, that is the 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 clarion call of the IU fan base for the last four years under Archie Miller for this. They can't shoot. They can't can't shoot shoot the basketball. Right. And, and And he, we had a guy who could shoot better than everybody and we still found shit to give him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and it's even though we often reference the last 20 years of being this wandering in the desert era that we, we hope is at an end uh, that he, that year, okay, it really was on him as as far as like, oh, that guy is just like, he's our pure shooter. He's can fill it up from the outside. But the year, two years before that, he had Yogi, who was like an awesome shooter. And then Yogi, there was like, okay, you had, and of course, Robert Johnson was around too. And then like the overlap from Yogi to like Jordy and stuff like that. So we, even in these lean years, we've still had wonderful shooters from the state of Indiana, no coincidence there. Um, nope. But that that now that we've had like a four year stretch where there was nobody we could just like if you get them open, it's probably going in. Like we've never, I mean, you know, uh, the beginning of the cream like years. Yeah, but but even that was only Three. we had Jordy relatively soon, and and the team started getting and better. Watford, yeah, and Watford. You know, like I mean, in. Yeah, I, I just, you're right. And and it just shows like the fickleness of the fan base and I am part of it. I am absolutely part of it. Not not and, me. I've kept a healthy perspective the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I love him referring to Kentucky as the other place. Yeah, he caught himself to say that. Yes. Like that wasn't even something we set up. He started doing it. I love it. I love that. There's just when you see him smile, which you didn't see him smile on the court. Like that wasn't his demeanor on the court. His demeanor mm-hmm. on the court was he was a killer. I mean, he was a killer. When you go back and watch, I I ask everybody go back and watch on on YouTube the Kansas highlights. You can watch like a, or I think the whole game might be out there, but you can watch a pretty good chunk of highlights. That dude is hitting shots in that game that he should not be making. He's not open. 
He is not open. He is with the ball in his hands, shooting threes with somebody dead in his face. Not coming off a screen, like just people on him, and he is burying them. Uh, and and there's no smiling. It is like swagger and intensity, and and he's like a killer out there. But you don't get any of that from when you talk to him in real life. And I well, just... And, and- uh, it just like, furthers the thing we've talked about. Like these are human beings behind the jerseys. And if you go back and watch those highlights again now, you're you're so much happier for him as a kid who yeah. had just battled through his second major knee issue of his young life. And then to be able to show up on a national stage and stick it to the fucking Jayhawks. Uh, oh, that's me. That's me getting my agenda mixed in there again. But you watch it again now after listening to him speak, and you're like, all right, Jimmy Buckets, good for you, man. Like, you you deserve that. You earn that. Yeah, because you know everything. We don't, we don't know everything. We know more than we did before about what was going on behind the scenes. I mean, the fact that he was basically injured his whole freshman year with a jacked-up wrist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I just... It uh, I'll tell it you this makes me love IU even more. Um, I didn't want to keep him any longer, but I realized right right at the end, uh, I I wonder what what Doctor Blackman, his mom, like. I bet she's a, a, a total badass, and uh, you know I think because his dad being a legend and and a high school coach at a legendary school and their connection through all that and even with the younger brothers having made their way and making their way I think his youngest brother is uh, a senior or maybe I I I meant to look that up Jaylen, right Jalen Blackman yeah yeah so I, I we should check and get an update on what what Jalen's doing I think Jalen committed to a college he he yeah. Is he a senior this year, or is he starting somewhere this year? Let me see. Jalen Blackman. Oh, no. Was, it's class of 2021. Uh, oh, Grand Canyon. Oh, Grand That's, Canyon. Yeah, they're right. all over oh, at and, Grand Canyon. And then VJ's... VJ's... Uh, assistant strength coach, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, great, but, but I bet I bet Doctor Blackman. I bet she is a badass and has uh, a, a lot to do with this wonderful human being. We just got to know a little bit better. Yeah, and I I loved when he told us how he keeps in touch with his family. Yeah, and how close he is, and they figure out the schedules so that like he talks to his dad at this time and his mom at this time, and I love it. I I I love it. He deserves um, a refreshed look. At, at what he actually did for Indiana. Um, and you could tell, like, the he didn't want to say it, right? He didn't want to blame the fans for the downward turn of that season. And the fans aren't to blame. No. But they, we at times don't help. And we could help. And, and at that year, we did not help. I mean, we were joining the fire cream calls, the like, you know, as fans, you know what I mean? Like it was, it, it was, uh, and and the players too, the critiques of the players that, that, that are probably us looking for the perfect basketball player when the perfect basketball player does not exist. And and I think lose sight of the very good, excellent basketball player in front of us. Well, and you and I as individuals getting to have these conversations 
and and you know hopefully the people who've gotten to listen to him too but the entire fan base um you know i think we've been very humbled uh and especially in the last 4 years where it was kind of this up and down, like we had some really high, high with Creens and some low, low. And we decided after nine years, well, that's not good enough for us either because we're used to just like 30 years of uninterrupted excellence. So no, next, we can do better. And we actually did significantly worse. And we were just like mired in this unrelenting mediocrity at best. And I hope, hope, hope uh, the program itself is now coming out on the other side of that and we can now start to to go on this upward trajectory but no matter how good it gets for how long that we will remember um this lesson in humility and so when we have players who are are really excellent but maybe there's this or that about their game that's not complete yet or or they just don't have the gifts for that we won't be like we used to be and that we can be more half half cup full uh, than we have been over the last twenty years. I, I I hope so. We will see. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not putting money on us. it. It starts with us. <laughs> well, uh, that that's it. We should try to to yeah put well, out. We'll our have action. our chance. We'll have our chance in about a month. You know, I mean, it, actually, less than a month. Our but, first game but, is less than a month. But keep in mind what I'm saying, like. If it's like it was the last four years, no, we're not going to be like that. Right, then we can go nuts again. But but if we, like, win a Big Ten championship, have an offseason, then we come back with a potential Final Four team that's derailed by a couple key injuries to have a little bit of perspective and understanding instead of being like, this is all a disaster. I totally agree. And also, we should be a top 10 team every single year. Every year. There we go. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But the, but the sometimes, sometimes why? Just like in Trace's name. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Call back. See you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.